You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Brooks Childress with me as we get you set for a huge weekend of college football. Of course, we'll be talking a lot about Auburn and Texas A&M, final analysis, final predictions for what will happen in Auburn's first SEC test of 2023. But also, there is a wad of college football to talk about, uh, mostly out of the SEC. A couple other SEC games to hit on, though. And so we'll be going throughout the day tomorrow uh, previewing all of these big games. Uh, and uh, I think we'll do it time-oriented in terms of chronologically uh, just to, as a way of sorting out all of the big games. Again, a lot of different conferences having big games tomorrow. So we will be previewing all of that. We'll also give you Sports Call's Player of the Week dating back from this past weekend of results. Uh, and we'll, again, have a what to watch for over the weekend, which will be very decidedly football-related uh, for both college and pro. Otherwise, just previewing all of this, all of these matchups. And, of course, want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to give us a call here this afternoon. Ryan Brooks and Cam with you here on this Friday afternoon. Cam Barry, how are you this afternoon? I am doing fantastic. It's Friday, and after the show ends, I get to go see my girlfriend. I haven't seen her in like three weeks, so I'm very excited to see her. Um, but, yeah, doing great. Um, ready to watch a, a whole bunch of college football this weekend and, and professional football. I, I can't wait. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot, a lot of good games on, and uh, might be able to squeeze in some time for the Braves today <laughs> as they play. Today would be the day. Right, right. Yeah. Today today would be the day if I'm going to be able to do it uh, as as Auburn plays Saturday and, and the Falcons play on Sunday. So, uh, and, and, you know, a bunch of ranked matchups on Saturday that are just going to be fantastic to watch and tune into. So I can't wait. And uh, but yeah, I'm I'm doing great and uh, ready to talk sports with you guys. Brooks Childress will be on the show till about five o'clock today. Then we will send him away to Borgard High School. You're uh, sending me away? Uh, thanks for joining us, yeah, Brooks. Well, I think you've dished us the last like two Fridays. So. Uh, it's because that uh, as Tim Sin says, you're the hardest working man in radio. No, I don't so know about we, that. we value your contributions and uh, you are highly you'll, valued. You'll be going out to Borgard High School Hornets. On our airwaves after the conclusion of the show today, six thirty will be the airtime. Seven o'clock kickoff. Borgard and Charles Henderson uh, from Richard L. Brown Stadium. 
And so looking forward to to that one. But Brooks, glad to have you on here for the first couple hours. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. The weather is great for some high school football tonight across the area. I know, uh, you know, a big game in Beauregard, as we talked about. Smith Station on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, headed down to Dothan tonight. Yeah, so we th- wish Brent Daughtry safe travels down there. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've, to I've, the dot? Nice. I've uh, some experience heading down to Dothan, so I, I, I gave him some restaurant suggestions if he cho- chooses to, to stop down there. Um, uh, and then you had a lot of other teams uh, in the area. I know Auburn High School is having their homecoming tonight, so congratulations to whoever wins homecoming queen and king over there at, at Auburn High. Uh, but th- some great high school football action, some great college football action going on um, this weekend, as, as we'll get to in a little bit. Some great NFL action coming up this weekend. The Braves continue to uh, roll out their season here. Uh, last weekend, uh, of or last road weekend of the year for the Braves, the last home or road series for the Braves this weekend at the Washington Nationals got started with the bang last night with a big win. But uh, they it's uh, it's a little costly with Max Free going the IL for the rest of the regular seasons. Hopefully he can get that uh, that blister issue worked out um, during these next couple of weeks off for him. Uh, and yeah, and then last night uh, I went out and took in some high school football last night over in Notasolga. I went over to the Battle of Highway 14. A great game uh, between Lochapoca, the number six team in, in uh, the state, uh, versus Notasolga. Twelve to six was the final there. Uh, Lochapoca got the win. Notasolga took the opening kickoff back uh, to, to the house, and that was all the points they scored. They went for two, missed yeah. it. There were some questionable calls. There were, uh. Some of the Notasolga fans uh, made me promise that I'd, I'd, uh, I'd mention some of the questionable calls okay. in the game. There were some questionable calls, but um, Lochapoca had a really good game last night. Their defense continued. Continues to stand tall. We love talking to uh, Coach Mike Glisson every single week. He's come up to the coaches show. He's the DC over there at um, at Lochapoca. His defense is is solid. Like I, I you know, you, you look at it, you look all year at the stats and everything. You're like, yeah, this is solid defense. You get to see him in person. And you're like, yeah, this is a this is a very legitimate defense in in high school football this year. So congratulations to Lochapoca on winning the Battle of Highway 14. Nota Solga's got a really good football team too, and so I, I expect they're still going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot here coming down the stretch as we enter the second half of the high school football season. And, yeah, just can't wait to do some some, uh, sports call today. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Can't wait to uh, break down some of these college football games because college football, again, I've, I've said it thousands of times on this program by now. Uh, it's my favorite sport in the world to talk about and especially to watch. And so it, it nothing gets better than this time of the year. Absolutely. And so nothing gets better than the type of weekend we're about to have in the college football world where – we transitioned from a week last week where there was ultimately some good stuff that happened, but the hype coming into the week very minimal. I would again, I, I said that on paper it appeared to be the worst weekend of the entire year, and of course there were still some fun things going on. Well, on paper, we'll see how the rest of the weekends play out when we get to them. But on paper, this might be the very best weekend of the entire year certainly one of them maybe rivalry week or something like that would surpass it but on paper there are a lot of great games a lot of important games coming up this weekend and and just even in the top 25 i know there's not a necessarily a ton going on in the sec but you've got in terms of ranked matchups you've got six top 25 matchups this weekend and that does not include a Florida State Clemson game because Clemson is just outside the top 25 very easily could have been a seventh top 25 matchup so we will get into a lot of those 
as the show progresses. But as we always do, we want to start with what Auburn has going on. And Auburn has a very important one going on, despite it not being a ranked matchup. The first SEC matchup of the year for both Texas A&M and for Auburn. Auburn going into this, depending on where you look and what day of the week, about a touchdown underdog headed to College Station, uh, a place that they've had success in the brief amount of times that they have gone to College Station in an SEC capacity. We've talked a lot about what this means to A&M and what this stretch means to Auburn, the start of an incredibly difficult stretch uh, of four games where uh, yeah, maybe A and M has the uh, uh, you know upper tier talent, but not having upper tier results. Maybe Ole Miss at the end of this stretch not upper tier talent, but having upper tier results the last couple of years in the SEC. So this four game stretch is going to have all you can want and more. But obviously, starting with Texas A and M, and guys, when we look game planning wise, I know Cam and I talked last week about what we wanted to see game plan out of Sanford. We in large part got it in terms of pass attempts, in terms of exclusivity to Peyton Thorne in the first half and that sort of thing. So, Cam, I'll start with you. Game planning-wise for Texas A&M, what are some of the things to focus on if you're Auburn? Uh, I think think for Texas A&M, you got to focus on getting your run game back on track. I think you need to get Jarquez Hunter going, uh, really, really get aggressive with that because – you know, now now that it's, it kind of seems, and, and we're hoping that Peyton Thorne is established as a passer now, um, we can now use that to, uh, or Auburn will be able to use that to their advantage and stretch the field a little bit more um, and then come back to what they know best, which is the run game, and be able to uh, dominate on, on the line of scrimmage and get those guys like Jarquez Hunter, get those guys like Damari Austin going, get the ball into Jeremiah Cobb, uh, Cobb's hands in, in creative ways and uh, uh, get those runners really going. So I, I'm really looking to see to get the running game going um, through means of, of taking advantage in the pass game first. Brooks, what about you, game planning wise? Let's let's start again, like Cam did, Auburn offense versus A and M defense. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with Cam there. I, I want to see the run game come back into a factor here, uh, and and I, I don't think that took a you know it, it it's not like it took any sorts of step back last week. It's just you you kind of focus more on the passing game, right? Um, and so I, I want to see the run game get back into it because you've got you know we we've talked about it all offseason. We talked about it through the first two weeks of the season up until last week. The Auburn's got a stable of running backs, and you know the you got Jerquez Hunter leading the way, but then you got uh, a guy like Damari Austin, who is a, is a guy that stepped up in, in Jarquez's absence. Uh, you, you've got Batie, you've got Cobb, you've got so other guys in that room that have, uh, have had some good playing uh, time this first little stretch of the season. Well, now it's time to exercise that a little bit. You're you're one of the, you know we, we talked about it yesterday with uh, Brian Matthews. He brought it up. One of the best running uh, teams in the in the in the SEC right now through the first three weeks. Um, you gotta you gotta take advantage of that. You gotta go out. You gotta run it, and especially because you know you know that you now you know if if you're confident in your passing game after last week, you've got a, a passing game to not fall back on, but to supplement the run. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and so you you keep that that uh, that experienced Texas AM defense Texas A and M defense. Uh, on their heels, not knowing what's going to come next, you use that RPO to your to your advantage, uh, and then yeah, you know I, I'd like to see um, Peyton Thorne take more of a grasp and uh, of the offense in, in in a big game here and see it more this week, like we saw last week, where we you, you don't you know 
go back to Robbie Ashford when when there's a panic. You trust Peyton Thorne to do it. Uh, but then I'd, I'd really also like to see more Robbie Ashford in the red zone because last week we didn't see it a lot. Uh, there was you know that that first red zone trip that you had left Peyton Thorne out there. You were you know on the goal line basically, and you, you didn't have any points. And so I think that would have played well uh, if you had, if if you'd put Robbie Ashford out there. You you may could have scored on that that first drive. Uh, ultimately, it didn't matter when the, when the game was all said and done. But when if you get you know Robbie Ashford back out there in some more of those red zone uh, situations, um, I, I think that that could play into uh, uh, having a very big positive for the Auburn Tigers team tomorrow. You know, I think it's interesting that when I look at this A and M defense and and how to attack it. It seems that my perception and what happened a line or what happened against Miami a line, whereas up front A and M is kind of living up to their talent a little more so. Uh, they've got a couple All SEC caliber players in their front seven. Uh, their their leading sack man Shamar Turner certainly one of them. We talked about him this week. I know Walter Nolan has been brought up. They do have someone in the back end, Damani Richardson, that was uh, is an All SEC caliber player. Uh, but I think when you're looking at this, A and M is a team that's going to be very interesting to see if Auburn can actually do what it wants to do on the ground. And that's yeah. not just simply with running backs. That is if we do see the Ashford package, because A and M has got a lot of speed, a lot of physicality up front, and so I would want to see. I want to see the array of, of, of options here running the ball. I think that when you look at this game, you need to see, yes, what Peyton Thorne can do against an SEC team, what he can do uh, in this level of environment. But I would not be surprised if what we see, and I know people are going to freak out, let me explain, I'm not going to be shocked if what we see is similar to the first possession or two that we saw against Cal where they are trying to run the ball in various ways. They did run Thorne a couple times early in that game. What the difference will be, though, and why I do not think it will be Cal repeat, is that they will not then go to Ashford because a first drive may or may not be successful or a first couple drives may or may not be successful. They will then start to open it up from there and run uh, all kinds of offense, but I would not be surprised. And now that I'm saying this, congrats on the play action passing <laughs> on the first drive. Yeah. Uh, I would not be surprised for them to try to run different types of stuff on the ground, the first drive or two, and then settle into the game flow. Now, again, the danger of that is that you did do that against Cal. You then panicked. You then had a quarterback rotation and it, made you stuck in the mud the whole game. But I, I'm just still not 100% sold. And this is not even my opinion of Thorne. I, I'm just analyzing coaches' opinions of Thorne. I'm not 100% sold the coaches have the utmost faith and trust in Thorne yet. I think it grew a little bit from the Sanford week. But I still think that when you hear Hugh Freeze and you hear what they're having to say – there's still those decisions, and we even saw the decisions that were not made. Like against UMass, it was like, oh, so he said there was a few bad decisions. Okay, interesting. I guess he meant on this pass or this play. Well, it was pretty obvious what the poor decisions were in the Sanford game. Right. And so there's still some of those. And so situationally, that's going to matter. And I think I think that is going to play a role in how they script the start of this game. Now, also there's a part of me that wants to say – 
hey, why not first play of the game? Throw deep ball. Take a shot. Just go ahead and, and send a warning sign that that you're not going to be wrapped into uh, a bubble of what you're going to do, and that you're willing to have the whole thing open. I mean, I think that that may be the route they should go. Yeah. I, I I mean, I, I I'm conflicted myself, but in terms of what I think that they will do, I'm not expecting them to do a whole bunch of different passing concept stuff right out the gates. Um, but again, we'll we'll see. I just think that it will, at some point, you will have to make those passes. This is not a game that you uh, will be strictly running and succeeding at all times because, again, again like I said, a and I think, will create a few negative plays. that I don't expect them to just get shoved around. The other X factor, too, is still not certain on the health of Cam Stutz and Xavier Miller. We talked to Brian Matthews yesterday. He was feeling a little optimistic that – those guys would play. Some of these other injured guys would play. But if you listen to Hugh Freeze on Tiger Talk, I don't love what I hear. Uh, he doesn't use probable, questionable, that sort of thing. He he likes to use hopeful. Hmm. And when I'm hopeful of something, yeah. in my mind, I'm that means certain. it's probably yeah. not going to happen, but it could. Right. And so maybe he thinks of it as differently than I, you and I do. But when I hear someone is hopeful to play, I don't get incredibly crazy about that. And so it's possible. Here's what I will tell you. If Stutz and Miller play, they're not 100%. That's what I would guarantee right. you at this time. I can't guarantee you whether they're playing or not, but I can guarantee you they're not 100% if they play. That will also make it tougher to run the ball. So while I think it's possible that they start the game trying to run, I think they will need to pass. They will need to make key plays in the passing game, and they will have to become much more balanced overall in this game. What do you guys think about if Miller and Stutz don't play, how you would change things or how Auburn would need to change things? Yeah, that'll be highly difficult. I mean, even whether you're passing or running the ball, in all honesty, just having two two starting O-linemen go down, I mean, that's – that's major uh, in terms of effectiveness, and and you're right, Ryan. The the D line for Texas A and M is is stout. So I mean, they only allowed 77 rushing yards on 24 attempts, 3.2 yards per rush against Miami, uh, and then it just seemed like Miami just kind of abandoned the the run game and just decided to air it out. And I mean, it worked for them. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke ended up throwing for 374 and five touchdowns. So that's probably where if you're not going to be successful in running the ball, you're just going to have to, you know, run the risk of airing it out, and hopefully the O line will be, you know, a banged up O line, even if it will uh, be able to stand up against this Texas A&M D line. So it, it'll affect, I mean, both phases of the game. It, it'll be absolutely difficult. Um, I wonder if that might push them to run the ball a little bit more, just because they're unsure about the protection. Uh, of Peyton Thorne, uh, but maybe just trust in his ability to scramble and and move and you know move the pocket, manipulate the pocket. Maybe um, they have faith that he'll be able to do that, so maybe they'll still try to pass the ball. But it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. And if I mean if they're banged up, then maybe you can run some stuff and see how they're feeling. But if they're out, then you're you're definitely wondering some things. How do the O line injuries affect your mindset, Brooks? Um, it, it, you know, you look at this, it's a, you know, we talked all off season. We talked about it the past few years that the O-line has, has been the, the, uh, 
the point that a, a lot of people have pointed to has been a problem on this Auburn football team. Uh, not just, you know, in the Brian Harson era, but, you know, people point back to the Gus Malzahn era where you, you just didn't have the stout offensive lines uh, that you're used to seeing around the SEC. Um, the, the injuries definitely, uh, you know, you, you look at them. Hopefully, you, you know, you've been working on some stuff this week. Uh, but from an offensive line that even up until, uh, you know, that Cal game, you were still rotating guys in and out at different positions. It felt like you had a little bit more continuity last week against Samford. But it's it still you still rotated a few guys in there, and so I, I think that it, it I think it does play into your advantage here uh, that even with some guys hurt that you got other guys work at those at, at different positions so you can move guys around and everything. Um, but at, at at some point here, you know you, you want to have a, a line set up. You want to you know have some continuity there, uh, just just so folks can gel. And it, it's I, I think that it doesn't affect the game plan too much um i think that though you're you're gonna see some more rotating this week you're gonna see guys moving around a little bit and no matter or depending on which uh lineup is out there at that in particular moment probably will dictate what they do with the football yeah and you know look the offensive line play against sanford look i mean it was the first time that i thought a little bit more towards the negative side on it this year i thought they did fine against umass and not an incredibly high Bar to clear, I thought they were pretty good against Cal. I just thought that the the game planning and and some stuff there, the, the turnovers really were what got them there. But I thought the line held their own fine against Cal. The Sanford game was an anomaly. However, if you have injuries the way they might be starting to, then that becomes more of a concern because they certainly did not run well, well on Sanford all of a sudden. And, and a stat I've quoted a lot the last two weeks is I still believe this team will run the ball fine overall, uh, despite the Sanford bugaboos. Again, the running backs against Cal, 5.6 yards a carry. Now, you can't fumble twice, and they had an extra uh, fumble with uh, Peyton Thorne too, but the running backs strictly 5.6 yards a carry, but two fumbles. So I believe that they will run the ball with a certain degree of success with running backs, but do you get Thorne involved in a positive manner with the run game? Because obviously he was the the bright spot running the ball against Sanford. Can he do it against an SEC team? Does the Ashford package happen and does it work? That sort of stuff. So I just think that in order to have the success against A&M, there, there probably would be wise to test a multitude of running early so that in the second half of this game, when they've started to mix in the past, they've worked in the other concepts, they know what top running concept or two they need to go with. So, again, look, you can certainly make the argument. I'm not going to be screaming at the TV if they end up play action passing first drive, take a couple D shots, because I think that would that would uh, absolutely achieve a purpose too. But I, if it is on the more conservative side, my justification for it is I still trust them to – stick with the game plan with Thorne passing the ball and they will get to that but what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out second half what can we go to with a beat up offensive line on the ground what kind of concepts can you work out there getting Texas A&M to respect the running ability of Peyton Thorne I think will be instrumental in getting the running backs uh, going I I really do think that that because that, that was something that I guess a lot of people didn't respect or or expect from him is his ability to pull the ball and run it and I wanted them to do that a lot more um, or not a lot more but more against Sanford because I'm saying man 
You know, if he just pulls that ball, I mean, he's got five yards coming around the edge right there because they're keying in on the running right. backs. And it's like, well, if he just pulls that ball a few times, that's going to make the 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 people crashing in, the, uh, the D-linemen crashing in a little bit more hesitant on who's going to have the ball. And that that option is uh, – it can give – can open up the field a lot more for the running game. Absolutely. Yeah, and again, to use the word we're talking about injuries – I, I, because I'm still skeptical personally of, of how it will look against an SEC team. Count me as hopeful that mm-hmm. that Peyton Thorne can still have a 50, 60, 70 mm-hmm. yard game against quality SEC competition and add that extra layer there to the rushing game as you're referring to. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll flip sides the ball. Auburn's defense versus Texas A&M's offense. We'll preview that next. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Just previewed some Auburn offense versus the Texas A&M defense. We're going to flip that around right now. I do want to give you some context because we referenced kind of in general the robust recruiting classes that A&M's had of the last few years. We did talk about how Shamar Turner was the five-star in 2021. I just want to tell you about some of their top guys from 2022 and what's happening with them now. Because Walter Nolan was one of those guys. He was the number one player in the class, and we referred to him the big defensive lineman. Shamar Stewart is another defensive lineman. He has played a little bit this year and does have a sack, but he was a five-star player. What we're about to talk about when we talk A&M's offense, Evan Stewart, who has really come on and been more productive than Anaya Smith so far this year, despite missing a game. He's tough. Yeah, Evan Stewart was a five-star receiver. He was number yep. two receiver in that 22 class. Moving down the line a little bit, do want to remind people, because, again, they ended up with nine on three five-star industry ranking players. The eighth of those was Connor Wegman. Uh, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but Wegman was rated as the number four QB in the 2022 class. And as a, as a matter of fact, two different services, and maybe they break these out into dual threat and pocket, but ESPN and Rivals had him as the number one QB. And so Wegman is a highly was a highly touted player, played a little bit last year, got banged up. So far, so good this year. I, I, I don't think – some people are trying to minimize the fact that a couple of the scores against A&M uh, or a, a couple of the scores for A&M against Miami were on short fields because of punts and that sort of thing. But I still think that Wegman has been good uh, despite being pressured a lot. So Auburn's defense versus A&M's o- offense, guys. And, again, Stewart, Anaya Smith, these weapons at wide receiver. Wegman starting to play pretty good football. You've got Bobby Petrino, who is so far doing an okay job there. Uh, They're doing what they needed to do against the weaker competition. 
Uh, what is the key for Auburn's offense or Auburn's defense? Excuse me, against A&M's offense. Pressure, pressure, and more pressure. Um, I'm expecting Ron Roberts to really pull out as many stops as possible to get in Connor Wegman's face, um, get him to just make some mistakes. Because um, obviously, if you let him just sit back there in the pocket, and that's really for any quarterback, if you just let him sit back there and, and get in the pocket, we have um, – you know, Auburn has some very talented DBs and, and extremely talented and deep defensive back room, but that's a very difficult position. And, and when you're chasing around wide receivers and if the quarterback has time to sit back there in the pocket, it's just a recipe for a disaster. Somebody's going to get open at some point. Uh, so if, if you're Ron Roberts, you just got to get as much pressure as possible, bring maybe Eugene Asante up the middle types, type of plays like uh, type of calls like that, bring some stunts, some switches around, and just keep it creative. Um, uh, you know, keep the offensive line for Texas A&M as um, guessing as much as possible and um, use the athleticism that you have on the D-line um, to your advantage. Hopefully Jalen McLeod, it seems like he's going to play. Uh, he was a wrecking ball for App State when uh, they faced Texas A&M last year. So uh, that'll bring some familiarity. So hopefully, you know, he'll be able to be a wrecking ball again. And uh, if you have somebody like that, then they'll, the offensive line will have to key in on him, and that will open up opportunities for everybody else on the D-line. So that's that's what I'm expecting is to bring a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, probably a good uh, good place to uh, to go with it because, you know, you, you look at Connor Wegman, uh, you guys are bringing up in the break the stats uh, that he's been pressured a lot uh, this year but hasn't been sacked. There's not a lot of sack numbers uh, when it comes to comes to facing uh, this Texas A&M team, and they've got some weapons on the outside, and so you've got to get in there, make the pressure. Uh, don't let Connor Wegman uh, go through his progressions because at, at some point he's right. going to find somebody. He, in, like you said, uh, Cam, you let him sit in the pocket long enough, he's gonna he's gonna find somebody to to get the ball out to. And so if, if you can get in there and make him uncomfortable in the pocket, and uh, just play really solid on the back end uh, of the defense too. Uh, don't don't let the the wide receivers get open. Don't let them have some easy balls down the field. I, I think that that would go a long way in uh in in keeping this this uh, this Texas A&M offense uh, at bay for the most part. And you know it, it's it, it's it's going to be difficult because uh, you know we we've talked about it and the, we've heard it talked about that Bobby Petrino's offense is kind of a different animal. Uh, than, than what people are, are used to seeing you know it, you saw it a couple years in the in the SEC when he was at Arkansas um, uh, no he wasn't in Arkansas I was, I was thinking <laughs> I don't know what I it, it, Patri, per, per, no, who am I thinking about at Arkansas well I, I, I missed I missed a part of it are you talk, talking about Bobby Petrino yeah yeah, he was at Arkansas. He was at Arkansas. Okay, yeah. all right. You looked at yeah. uh, you looked at no, me like I was, I was reading, like I was, I was nuts. Something. No. I was like, no, no, he was at Arkansas. Brooks? No, yeah. anyway, any no, yeah, definitely Arkansas. But yeah, yeah, when he was, at, you know, folks from the SEC remember him from his time at Arkansas. His offenses were, were dynamic there, and so uh, it, it's it's going to be about getting pressure on Wegman, and and really, you know, not just getting pressure, getting him on the ground, get get it, get him on the ground, um, and and you can have a successful day on defense. Uh, yeah, no, I think that. What concerns me most about A&M's offense is the fact that this passing attack is something that I think is going to end up being very good this year. 
I think that the good news for Auburn is that if there is a deficiency still up front, if there is a propensity or a lack of propensity to stop the stop the run that still exists, even despite the good effort against Cal, I don't really think A and M is going to expose that. I, I think it would be Georgia or Ole Miss or somebody down the line that would be able to run the ball really effectively. Right. I don't see A and M opening up um, a, a bunch of big holes on Auburn's defensive front. But I do think that it is so important for Auburn to get that pass rush because despite Auburn's strength in the secondary, look, they do have injuries. Keontae Scott's out. He's not playing for several weeks. Nehemiah Pritchett was one of the players that got the, quote, hopeful designation from Hugh Freeze last night. So really unsure about Pritchett playing still. Uh, And even with the guys that remain that are good, I still just believe that when you've got two really good receivers like Anaya Smith, Evan Stewart, a guy also – that has uh, four touchdowns for him in terms of Noah Thomas. I, I just think there's a lot to cover there, and I think Wegman's done a pretty good job so far. So if there is a lot of time, then I think that the A&M will find some plays down the field. Uh, so you're banking on Jalen McLeod to hopefully be healthy and to play well. You're banking on, uh, at the end of the day, someone like uh, maybe even Falk, Keldrick Falk, to be able to to make yeah. an impact. I know we asked Brian Matthews. He was unsure how much he'll play, but if McLeod is still banged up for whatever reason or is not playing a whole lot, he's someone that's going to get a bigger opportunity. And, and so you're looking at it, and, and you've just got to find ways to generate that pressure uh, because I think that A&M will be throwing a lot. I don't think they'll even run, try to run a lot, quite frankly. Uh, even though that that was the perceived weakness coming into the year, I just think that they brought they brought in Petrino, excuse me, Jimbo Fisher's background. Everything that their coach's background suggests is that they want to be a quality passing team. They've got the receivers to do it. They recruited Wegman, who was a five star quarterback. What their identity is going to try to be is a passing team, and so that is why. We've all kind of focused on the the pressure part of it because, yes, I think DJ James can do an outstanding job in his matchup, but for how long and for how many, how it's frequently, right? Yeah. And so also I'd like to see what Ron Roberts decides to do in terms of if Pritchett can't play, knowing Keontae Scott's already out, normally what teams tend to do if they're lacking some of their starting DBs is they go more zone. I don't personally prefer zone. I personally prefer man, but some defensive coordinators will do that. Will Ron Roberts do that? Will they go more zone? Well, then, again, the thing about zone is it's about timing. It's about windows. And if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, it's much easier to get those timing and windows down pat. So, really, the thing to watch when Auburn is on defense, in my opinion, the the biggest thing, it's not ground game like we thought it might be coming in the year. It's not even about DJ James or one particular DB or if Donovan Kaufman's playing, anything like that. It's about how much pressure can they generate. It doesn't matter from whom. Will Ron Robertson blitzes? Maybe. I, I think he's an aggressive defensive guy, so I do expect some blitzes. But again, if you're out multiple DBs, what does that change? How does that change your thinking? Because if you're if you're then sending a bunch of bodies, then it's even more important for those those two corners out there, those safeties, to, to win their matchups or hold on there for a little bit period of time. So I'm going to be a very interested. 
I know we talk a lot of offensive game planning, that sort of thing. I'd be very interested to see how Ron Robert does it. Uh, Ron Roberts does it with his defensive play calling and with his strategy against A and M's offense. We're going to take another timeout. When we come back, we'll get to the orthopedic clinic phone line, and a little bit later, we will get into some of the other matchups around college football. There are a lot of good ones this weekend. We'll talk to you about those a little bit later. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the show. About 10 or so minutes left in hour number one. So we go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one 889 tiger 9 Up on the show next, Ward Damn Steve. We're tired, Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Okay, I haven't got time any, uh, for any niceties. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, good, good afternoon, guys. Cam and Brooks and Ryan. All right. Um, so I have to hear all your comments, guys. Uh, we're, we're in a good spot? Are we in a good spot? Uh, I think that Auburn's in a respectable spot. I don't know if – I don't think they should be favored, so I, don't, I wouldn't call it a good spot, but I think that they – Yeah, well, you know, I'm having fun with uh, our previous coach, Malzahn, who uh, would love to say we're in a good spot. Uh, ah, Thankfully, thankfully, uh, unlike Coach Malzahn, who would tell us every week we had a good week of practice, that's not what we hear, uh, and I admire that, uh, from Coach Freeze. However, his candidate sometimes uh, leaves me scratch my head. Wow, are you really going to say this stuff publicly? And I'm referring to Tiger Talk last night, uh, his comments, if you didn't catch them, uh, that had me wondering, gee, uh, I wonder how the players are going to take this. One of the comments he made, he's talking about, and his players, and I, I know they got ten you know, five-star players. He said the following. He said the depth, the size, their speed—they're full of NFL players. That's what we have to get to, and we will. Uh, then he goes on to say uh, they're really difficult to defend. It starts with the quarterback. They played a very high level. It says we're going to have to play a lot of young players Saturday, and I'm looking forward to the day where we go in there. With an equal roster. Okay, guys, am I making too much of those kind of comments about our players? Uh, I believe so because I mean, again, do you want do you want the coach speak or do you want the honesty? Uh, again, you can't have it. Well, there's honesty, and then there's really are you going to you know not say anything positive or encouraging about our players? Yeah, we know the facts. Yeah, we know they got ten NFL, uh, you know, ten five star players. Yeah, no, I'm 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 good with what he said yeah, because he, did, that, he I mean, didn't say Auburn couldn't win. Yeah, I mean that's everything he said was truthful there, and uh, you know that doesn't mean they don't think they can win or or can't meet the moment, meet the challenge. But I mean that is the reality, and and look, those guys are going to be confident in the locker room, and 
you know, maybe it even motivates him. But no, I mean, I I don't have a problem with what he said whatsoever. No. Okay. Well, I just felt like okay, we do have some talented players. But we said, uh, you know, one day we'll go in there with an equal roster. Wow, that's an ouch. Okay, uh, that's probably just my uh, Auburn uh, part to say that man. You know. Uh, if that's even uh, maybe factual, can we not have to say that publicly? Uh, maybe the players will uh, incentivize them. Uh, who knows? All right. Uh, speaking of being in a good spot, guys, have you seen the national media predictions for, for the game? I haven't seen too many. Yeah, I haven't either. No. Okay, well, you go all to 247 Sports, and they tallied it up for us. Uh, there were 61 uh, so-called pundits uh, picking this game, and 50 picked A&M. 11 pick Auburn. All right. And the average score prediction, uh, when they took all the uh, scores, obviously, uh, comes out down to 29 to 24. Uh, well, what uh, what do you say, guys? All right. A close game, favored by A&M. I mean, they're home. They're an eight-point favorite. So, I, I mean. Well, it's eight and a half now. Yeah. I mean, point remains. Okay. It's still, it's still about the same there. Uh, I think that when you're looking at, Again, it's so tough to figure out what kind of A&M performance and team you're going to come up with this year because, again, the, the paper versus the reality has been so different for them, and it's still early enough in the year to you can still believe of what they could be. If this game was taking place a little bit later in the year, of course, as it did last year, and A&M's just not winning any games, then I think you would change who you would favor and, and you would change the the narrative of it. But since it is still early, since you, I mean, again, it's a game A&M needs to have, but it's point blank. Uh, you know, I think that all that is a, is a fair observation. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, my heart obviously is pulling for Auburn. Uh, you know, my, my brain says, yeah, the odds are probably less than uh, maybe 45%. Yeah, I would say probably about forty. I'd say uh, I'd say two out of every five they win. I, again, I mean that's pretty close to to even there still. So I mean it, it still could go either either way. And yet we're still with four and one at their place, guys. Um, in fact, no Auburn coach has lost uh, at A and M except for one, right, guys? Yeah, Brian Harson in twenty one. Yeah, and that was real twenty to three. I think was the final, wasn't it? Uh, I don't I don't recall the, the the score off the top of my head, but it was it was not a, not a good performance. I do remember that. Okay, now it's eleven o'clock game, and I remember I used to dread eleven o'clock home games because I always would read that um, I, I would always read that you know uh, the uh, home team may be um, kind of lackadaisical and the fans hadn't gotten in yet. Uh, do you think that'll hold true uh, for us being uh, not the home team? Yeah, I've given the stat multiple times this week that Auburn seven and three in their last uh, in their last ten eleven a.m. road SEC games. So under this scenario, they're seven and three in their last ten. So uh, I think that what you see in general, really across the country, maybe say for Big Ten country where it's so normal, I think eleven eleven a.m. games provide the weakest environment. That doesn't mean it is an inherently weak environment, but it does mean that you have a better, better, better shot at uh, the other team being a little sleepy or the crowd being a little sleepy than you do. Certainly with an afternoon, certainly with a night game. So, I mean, A and still going to have a hundred thousand people there. It's not like it's going to be the cow environment. I think it'll still decidedly be tougher than that. But 
uh, as Auburn has proven in the past, that it is a it's definitely an environment you can win in. And uh, again, there I think it's a, a good way to challenge. Have you either, any of you guys been to Kyle Field? Yes, 20, 2019. I've never been. Okay. Would you please confirm for me, Ron, what I've been reading from Jason and from Nathan King, that they've been to the games and said it's not that noisy or intimidating atmosphere like other SEC stadiums. In fact, it's a kind of a low hum, humming uh, noise. Yeah, it's like uh, a, it's not, yeah, it's like a dull, ahead. constant roar. Uh, it's... They don't, you know, some of these great environments, they get so loud at times. Maybe it fluctuates. Sometimes they're a little lower, but sometimes it's just unbelievably loud and, and like, chaotic at times. And that's not a and It's like a controlled noise. It's like a very steady sort of noise. And, I, 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 look, I still appreciate it. It's still a good environment. But is it one of the top three or four in the SEC? No, I do not think that it is. And... Uh, again, it, there is a certain appreciation that I have for it, being the 12th man, being 100,000 people. Night games there, as night games are with a lot of places, are still incredibly tough. Uh, but it is a different kind of noise. The people that, that say that, I believe they are correct. It is a different kind of noise. So, obviously, we're not going to Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. We're not going to Athens. We're not going to Alabama. So the atmosphere shouldn't be that, I guess, noise impacting to cause us have a lot of pre-snap penalties, right? Yeah, again, I still want to caution that still in the totality of college football, yes, it's a pretty tough environment, but compared to the rest of the SEC, it's in the middle of the pack somewhere. So, you know, can you rule out some stuff? Well, I mean, again, this is still going to be a tougher environment than Cal, and and granted, Auburn did not have many pre-snap stuff go on against Cal, but it is, a, it is a level up in what you've faced on the road so far, certainly. So, uh, look, you, you want to avoid them, sure. If they have them, it would be disappointing. I would not expect an influx of them. But uh, as you know, one or two pre-snap penalties can happen any anytime, anywhere. So I don't think there'll be a ton of them, but there could be one or two. Yeah. Uh, I listened to Cole Kublik's uh, comments about his take on the game, and he said uh, – it- could be very well a long day uh, for uh, Auburn on both the offensive and defensive line. You see the same way, guys? Especially if Auburn's O-line is beat up the way it appears to be. It's still very questionable if Cam Stutz and, and Xavier Tutal Miller is going to end up playing. Uh, if they both don't play, then then yes, I subscribe to that opinion that it's going to get way tougher up front. Defensively, I, I think that Auburn's got a shot at it. Now, I don't think that A&M will run a whole lot to really test that part of it because I just don't think that's who A&M, A&M wants to be. So it's going to be all about how much pressure Auburn's defense can generate. And they really need a healthy Jalen McLeod. If they don't have a healthy Jalen McLeod, that will impact them too. So unfortunately, there are some injuries impacting things. But I still think if they can piece together enough health, Auburn's got a chance to hang on there. But uh, but obviously, that would be some key losses if they're not able to play. Okay. All right. Just moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, this coming uh, Monday on Alabama Public Television, they're going to be showing a documentary on Pat Dye. I don't know if you knew about it. It's called Mighty, the Life and Legacy of Pat Dye. I did not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, set to premiere this Monday. I, I saw it on AL.com, and it'll be on Alabama Public TV. I think it's at 8 o'clock. Okay. I just thought. I'd uh, get that piece of information uh, to you guys. Sure. And uh, you guys, obviously, none of you are going to the game or you're rest of your yard. You've already been there, right? Uh, correct. Yeah, we're not going. 
Okay. Uh, so uh, the Braves have got a, a three-game series. Is that right? Uh, well, uh, three more games. It was a four-game series with Washington that started last night oh, with, that's the, right. you know, with the yeah. Braves' victory. Yeah. And they, put them, uh, they beat them pretty badly. Do you think they'll probably uh, win the remaining three? I think they'll probably win two of the next three. They might win all three, uh, but as long as they win two of the next three, they're still in a really good position. Okay. All right, guys. That's all I've got. Oh, real quickly, because yep. uh, I haven't had a chance Last to thing. the yep. podcast. Uh, Anthony, has he come uh, to the show and given his wild uh, predictions? Uh, he's He's not been on in a couple days, no. Okay. Uh, any word from Keith or uh, from Luke or Jeff? Yeah. Again, Jeff. Uh, Jeff called in yesterday, right after you, I believe, or, or okay. the, whichever day you called him out. And uh, uh, Luke called in earlier this week as well, talking about Colorado. Okay. All right, guys. In particular games that uh, who who do you who are you gonna pull against uh, or for in the uh, Ole Miss Alabama game? I I, I would think that'd be pretty obvious. I, I, want, I want Ole Miss to win. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's just things about Lane Kiffin that they just uh, rub me the wrong way. Some of his um, stupid comments he makes. Uh, All so right then. Do you do you agree with me that the Oregon game will probably be over with by the half? I don't know about half. I think Oregon win by multiple scores, but I think Colorado's offense will still be uh, good enough to hang in there for a little while. We're out of time for the hour, Steve. Okay. We got to let you go. Thank you, guys. You have a safe afternoon. Enjoy your weekend and. Uh, We'll talk to you Monday, no matter what, a War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. More of your phone calls when we come back after this timeout. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress can bearing with you here on this Friday afternoon as we get sent for Auburn, Texas A&M inside of Jordan Hare, or excuse me, not inside of Jordan Hare Stadium, inside of Kyle Field on Saturday inside of uh, at College Station. Also got a bunch of different college football games to go over here in the coming two hours as there are a lot of top 25 matchups and worthwhile matchups to watch. 
on this college football Saturday. But for now, we go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has joined us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? Doing good this afternoon. And you guys? Doing well. Doing well, sir. You know, I didn't plan on calling in today, but since Steve uh concerned about me, any comments I might have made, whether it was wild boast or whatever it might be, so I just had to go ahead and call on in. You know, Saturday's going to be that Southeastern Conference showdown, Auburn and A&M, at 1130, 11 o'clock or whatever it is. You know, in my understanding, uh, I was told that uh, A&M spent the whole week down at the junction. You know, they uh, got special permission from the president, and he made arrangements so uh, the players could uh, do all the coursework on computers, you know, at virtual learning and whatnot. And they've been hiding out, camping out in, at, down at the junction, training, getting ready for that showdown. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I believe A&M seven, 17, Auburn 10. All right. Low scoring game. what happened when 2.30 come around. That should be about time the game should be ending or whatnot. And I think that's what it'll be. Yeah, certainly a low scoring game. I, I do agree that it will be somewhere in that neighborhood. I, I, I thought going back to Cal Week that they'd be involved in some higher scoring games. And after that 14-10 game, I'm pretty convinced they're going to be involved in some lower uh, scoring stuff. And, again, Vegas has it about an eight-point favorite for A&M, so certainly understand that. Yeah, I tell you, I've been watching Auburn these last three weeks or so or four weeks or whatever it is, and, uh, you know, I've, that's the conclusion I've come to. Uh, I've seen them down in the red zone and that uh, bootleg right and bootleg left and the uh, quarterback dropped the middle, and I don't know if he threw a jump pass yet, but I guess that would be coming next. But uh, that pretty much been played out. You pretty much know what uh, what Ashford gonna, Ashford, Robert Ashford is going to do once he get out there. Uh, I mean, he ain't going to fool nobody with that nonsense. And the running game ain't kicked in yet. Uh, Hunter's back, but he ain't done anything yet. He's had opportunities, but it just ain't materialized. So, you know, it's going to be probably a long, long, long day down there. And that hot sun in Texas, I think it's supposed to be 115 degrees on the field. They they predicting or some people talking or whatnot. But we're going to find it out and see what happens. Uh, as far as Alabama's concerned, they ain't going to win nothing Saturday. No other Saturday right now as far as I'm concerned. I ain't thinking about it. I'm going to be watching somebody else. I uh, hope to be watching Dion and his crew uh get down with Bo Nix. I want to see what that's going to do. I want to see if Bo Nix going to get them five touchdowns uh, that he usually gets a game or whatnot, um, what kind of Heisman Trophy or PlayStation numbers Bo Nix might put up and and see what Shadura Sanders uh, may do as well and, and that crew and, and see how live they're going to be. Is that going to be on the road for Dion them or that's going to be uh, uh, at home? Yeah, that is, that is in Eugene. That is at Oregon. Well, I hate the end of the call, but my girlfriend calling, so I got to go. So I'll holler at y'all later. Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate your phone right. call. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, got to pick up when the girlfriend's calling. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know, but yes, <laughs> uh, certainly understand. So I think that <laughs> I've killed Cam. Uh, he is deceased. Uh, so I think that uh, the line of thinking that it'll be a low-scoring game on Saturday checks out. I. While I do see a few explosive plays from time to time in the passing game for A&M, if Auburn doesn't get pressure, I don't think they'll run the ball that successfully. I also think that will provide an opportunity for Auburn to hold in the uh, in the red zone. I think it'll give them a chance. Just passing offenses, navigating inside the 20s, uh, can get a little bit more difficult. So if Auburn can stiffen up the run game, which to be fair, we don't know that to be a fact yet. We're going off a Cal game that they were already extra motivated for. So I'm not committing that Auburn is going to end up being a shockingly good run defense, but uh, they are so far. So we'll see if that continues. I just also think A&M's uh, 
the the, the stuff they we saw against Miami, again the fact of how they want to run offense. I don't see them maybe going say four for four in the red zone with touchdowns or three for three or, or whatever it is. I, I think that they would they would be stopped once or twice in the red zone. And for Auburn again, I think that I'm still trying to avoid the final score prediction until the end. But I do think that Auburn will still have some problems with A&M's, A&M's front and A&M's um, ability to just have so much talent, multiple five-star defensive linemen, a couple five-star edges. Uh, and, and especially, I, I am, I'm now sounding the, the alarm. I, I thought it was a good thing on Tuesday when <coughs> Justin Ferguson told us at practice that Xavier Miller and Cam Stutz were practicing in some capacity, but apparently – you know they have also missed parts of practice this week. The reports were not great Thursday night. I don't even know where we're at in terms of trying to couple together. Well, you're practicing a little bit on Tuesday, but on Thursday night, the head coach is saying you're hopeful that you'll get those guys to play. I just I don't know. It's a little uncertain for me. So I do think Auburn's going to have some problems with that a in front. I think the good news is if you can handle the front. I do think there's clear opportunities on the back end. I, I really am looking forward to seeing if Rivaldo Fairweather continues to be a big part of this offense. I'm looking forward to see if Jay Fair, who has been really good through three weeks, can take advantage in the slot of some of these A&M defenders. So, again, that opportunity exists. It's not a hopeless dynamic here. There's a way to do this, and clearly, since A&M gave up half a hundred to Miami, but those, li- those linemen injuries w- kind of would make it more in the hands of Peyton Thorne, which, again, we just don't know enough yet. We will know, I think, a lot after A&M. We saw him chuck the thing 30-some times against Sanford. A lot of it was really good, but a couple of big mistakes, a couple of big misreads. And so that's my thing is I think on a down-to-down, Thorne will make some good decisions. He'll make a lot of accurate throws. Will he prevent himself from making the really wrong decision, the really wrong read? The third and two, we've given you an RPO. You make the wrong decision on that one. Will he stay away from that kind of decision? You can make a bad decision on first and ten and have it result in second and ten. It's hard to come back from a third and short, fourth and short bad decision or a decision that leads in a turnover because of a misread. That's the stuff that's hard to come back from. But I certainly do think it'll be a lower scoring game. Guys, do you think, before we go to our next break, do you err on the side of lower scoring? Do you think moderate scoring? Do you think like high 20s, low 30s? Or, or do you think we're just going to have this random score fest where <laughs> uh, complete opposite of the Cal game where everyone or a lot of people thought it could go higher, it went incredibly low, now trending low here ends up going high? Uh, I think it'll be kind of a, a moderate scoring game. The line, the over-under is 51 and a half. Um, so I, I would say probably that's accurate that, for the record um, that would be you know about with the with the margin of the eight and a half point margin yeah. so that'd be something like uh you said 51 and a half yeah 51 it'd be half. something like 30 to 21 yeah something in there uh it would be the projected score yeah. so, just, so yeah. I, and i think it'll be like a little lower than that honestly like i could definitely see like a 24 to 20 type of game uh maybe like a, a 20 27 type of game so something along the lines of that um you know, I, I'm not going to throw out my score either. I don't have one yet. But um, I could kind of see where that would 
that would be the final score. So I think it'll be about a moderately scoring uh, game, honestly. Yeah, I'd say high teens, low 20s, somewhere around there. I think it's going to be a, a relatively low-scoring game. I, I don't think we're in for a score fest. I think that uh, I think A&M's got enough defensive talent. And I, I, I like, you know, you were, you were talking about uh, coming off of that, um, that Cal game, what we're going to see for the rest of the year with this Auburn defense. I, I liked what I saw this past week at Samford. I think that they can, they can replicate that, uh, uh, to a, a some extent, replicate that, that defense that they had in the Cal game. Um, but it, it's going to be a it's going to be a different animal this weekend against an SEC opponent. So we'll see how they how they end up doing. We're going to head to our first timeout of the four o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll get into some of the other matchups around college football. We'll take it chronologically. We'll start with a couple eleven a.m. games. The eleven a.m. time slot is going to be the calmest time slot. Of course, not for Auburn. That's when they've they've got a a, a big test, but. 11 a.m. will be a little bit thinner than the rest of the day. We'll tell you about the 11 a.m. window next. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. Been talking all things Auburn, Texas A&M, official predictions and uh, final things to watch out for coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But for now, let's get to some other college football stuff and let's get to this slate of games that we're about to see on Saturday because it's going to be a very significant one. It starts at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Definitely on the weaker side of things, comparatively speaking. There's you still, discount that Army-Syracuse game. I'm certainly discounting it. It's a rivalry uh, clash. I'm certainly discounting it. Discount. Discounted. Uh, but I want to focus on one particular game in the 11 a.m. time slot, and no, it's not Kentucky and Vanderbilt either. Oh, oh uh, my gosh. Or Virginia gross. Tech Marshall. Even though Marshall is favored against Virginia Tech, again, that's uh, – <laughs> That is a real thing. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Yeah, they're that. favored. Yeah, Virginia Tech's not good. State of Virginia, not good. Not good. Rough out here. Oh, so none of that, man. which is also at 11 a.m. Not even Oklahoma-Cincinnati, although I think that's the third best game of the time. So I think Auburn A&M's second nationally. Obviously first in our hearts. But Oklahoma-Cincinnati, yeah, it might be worth checking in on. We'll see. But it's Florida State at Clemson. This game, 11 a.m. ABC. It's not one of the six ranked games because Clemson is not technically in the top 25. I think they're the top vote-getter just outside. They're technically 26. 26. And I feel like that has potentially 
swayed some people's minds of thinking that this is not still a huge game. Major. This is still a huge game. This is incredibly is. important. If Florida State wins this game, I just don't see how they're not fast-tracked towards the playoff. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I know they struggled with Boston College, so could you cook up them randomly losing to Duke or to Miami? Maybe if Florida ends up being kind of real. Okay, like there's a couple more top 25 teams on the schedule. But Florida State will have cleared its two biggest hurdles in the preseason with LSU and with Clemson. On the Clemson side of things, because they've already lost to Duke, if Clemson accrues a second loss, A, they're out of the playoff, and B, they're pro- they, they're now up against it just making the ACC title game because they will need serious help from Duke. Duke will have to lose three times. Duke. Uh, Carolina, who they'll play, will have to lose. They'll have to beat North yeah. Carolina and have Carolina lose again somewhere else to Duke or to whoever. And, of course, Carolina does not play Florida State, so that's, that's one part of it. Carolina does play – uh, or no, they don't play Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's got a couple of those teams. Like Notre Dame's got Duke here in a week or two. But again, that wouldn't count in the conference. So Clemson is in huge, huge trouble. What do you guys think about this matchup at 11 a.m. Uh, at Clemson? First off, shout out to the in-laws who will be there. Uh, they, they've got tickets to the game this year. Both nice. my, uh, Grace's uh, stepdad is a big Clemson fan. Grace's mom is a Florida State graduate, and she is a, a big Florida State fan. She she's got a lot of a uh, lot of Florida State stuff in in the house. Uh, I've seen a couple times some Bobby Bowden signed stuff too. So she she's uh, she's big into the, the, the Knowles. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to them for going to the game tomorrow. Uh, but also, you know, this game. You know, you look at it. Yeah, you know, Florida State is number four in the country, right? Well, they're a two point favorite on the road. Two points. And so, you know, you could flip that and say, oh, well, they'd be a favor more at home. Yeah, but they're going to Clemson, and they're only a two-point favorite, and they're the number four team in the country, and Clemson's unranked. And, you know, I, I think you look at it, Ryan, I think you said this either on air or off the air a couple days ago, uh, but to, to paraphrase, I, I think that the, the rumors of Clemson's death have been greatly exaggerated already. <laughs> Uh, now, am I saying they win the game? I don't know, but I, I think that Clemson is is a team that's going to put up a fight against Florida State. You saw look at Florida State last week. You go up to Boston College, and I know you know the they the the whole red bandana game was last week. They're always fired up to play that red bandana game, um, but it's still Boston College. You look at Boston College this year; they may be looking for a new head coach when it comes to the time to, to the end of the year. It's not a great program. It, it, the program's not in a great in a no, great state. They, they lost. Uh, I forgot who they lost. Somebody really bad. Yeah, no, yeah, they lost to Northern Illinois. Uh, that, in, that would qualify. Um, yeah. And so the uh, the the Boston College is not a team that even if they're playing motivated, a number a top five team in the country should be uh, struggling. Struggle, against. yeah, struggling yeah. with. And it was the fact that they struggled with the Boston College. Looked like they had the game, you know, in hand, and then they gave up some more points and yeah. got it, it started to get questionable again. Yeah. They were up like thirty-one ten at yeah. one point, right? Yeah. yeah, that game, that game for the record would have gone to overtime if Boston College did not miss their extra point okay. to make it thirty-one seventeen. It was thirty-one sixteen. Okay. Then they went for two, didn't get it, so it was thirty-one twenty-two. And then on that next touchdown, they just kicked the PAT. Right. But if they never miss a PAT, that could easily be thirty-one thirty-one go to overtime. Oh, so wow. I, I love. Jordan Travis, I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's he's got a he, he's, he's got, got a, it. There, you can see the path. 
for a Heisman season for Jordan Travis. There's a couple quarterbacks we talked about it this week that you could see the path for Heisman. Jordan Travis is one of them. Absolutely. But he's got to play well against Clemson. You're going on the road. This is, you know, I know that you, you we talked about the, the first big hurl was that LSU game. That was a neutral site game. And it was a lot of Florida State yeah, fans. Yeah, felt like 70, 30, 40 When they State. got that tomahawk chop going, it felt like you were in Dope Campbell Stadium. This is your this is your biggest road test of the season so far, maybe of the year. Yeah. In an environment where they are used to winning very recently, the, the, it, the fans are going to be loud. It, this is going to be the first meaningful Florida State-Clemson game in a, in a few years because Florida State's been down. And so you know the Clemson fans are going to be fired up. Uh I think that Florida State wins this game, but I think it's going to be really close. I think Florida State has to contain Will Shipley, and he's—I I think that he's a huge, huge factor when it comes to how, if, if Clemson's success is how Will Shipley plays on Saturday. I agree, and uh, I was going to say Vegas tends to know what they're talking about when they're putting together their betting lines and, and their favors and their over/unders and all that stuff. Uh, and so, you know, with with FSU being favored uh, by two points, I mean that that's calling for a close game. Um, I definitely can see it coming down to a close game, and I think it could be a relatively high-scoring game. Um, I know Clemson sometimes has struggled to move the ball, um, but you're right. Shipley will be the catalyst for for Clemson. If they can get that run game going, then hopefully it'll open up some things for um, quarterback Cade Cade Klubnik, right? I'm saying that right? Okay. Um, and uh, open things up for him, give him uh, some, maybe make his life a little easier and uh, see see what Clemson can do. I still think Florida State is going to win because I think they're overall a better team and I do think that Jordan Travis is the better quarterback and, and he has that that path to, to uh, that, that path to the Heisman really if, if Florida State can really uh, you know get past this test in Clemson. Uh, I mean, I still consider Clemson the litmus test for everybody in in the ACC. If if you know, especially if you're going to Memorial Stadium, um, if you can get past Clemson and if you can win and and keep it, it I, it'll be tough. But if you can still be convincing and still get a good win and get out of there with a W, then you're you're smooth sailing after that. I think if you're Florida State and you have a really 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 good chance of getting into the playoff, unless obviously if something crazy happens where they are undefeated, but you know, just the rest of the ACC just kind of seems like they're not as high. If Clemson seems like they're still not as good, um, then you might have some trouble convincing. Uh, you know the the decision makers of the poll to to let you into the playoff, but I still think they have a really really good chance. Yeah. So for me in this game, I just want to see Clemson not do and, and they call it Clemsoning nationwide Clemsoning, <laughs> which kind of got a, we got away from that as we should when you win a couple titles. You know, I mean, I don't think that's a huge thing anymore, but that's what it used to be, Clemson Clemsoning. I, I want to see them not get in their own way because that Duke game could have still easily been a win. And you Absolutely. don't say that about three touchdown games very often. But the reality is, is, is if Clemson handles business inside the five-yard line, that's a completely different game. Duke would have been trailing, and who knows if Duke would have come up with the drives necessarily once they got down one or two possessions to, to score enough to win there. Because uh, Clemson's defense was still pretty good. That just the offense kept just handing Duke the ball. Clemson outgained Duke easily in that game. 
So I think that, to me, this is on Cade Klubnik. This is his game. Prove to me that you are a really good Power 5 quarterback. This is your moment to do that. You were very much hyped last year. You were going to be the answer to DJ Uyangale. This is your moment to prove to me that you are going to be a good college quarterback. And some people want to make it about Dabo. I don't make it about Dabo. If, if this ends up going south and Clemson ends up in a couple of years needing to move on or whatever, or he takes another job, just whatever, what the marriage finally fails after a long period of time, this to me is not about some sort of revisionist history on Dabo Sweeney the way we could talk about that with Jimbo Fisher at A&M. Jimbo Fisher had three to four good years and then he had Jameis Winston, and that's it in his career. He had one good year at A&M, and so far that's it. You can make a case that Jimbo Fisher ultimately is overrated. I will not make the case and will not accept the case that Dabo Sweeney ended up being overrated. I won't accept that. This is Clemson. This was not an historically great program. They won two national titles with yeah. two different quarterbacks. They went back to the playoff with Kelly Bryant, who was not a very good quarterback at all. They also had a good quality quarterback before Deshaun Watson, Todd's boy, that helped them get on the map. This was done by more than just one dude. He's not some high school coach. Social media's got to stop with that. So this is not about Dabo Sweeney to me. This is about Cade Klubnik and, uh, for the Clemson side of things and what he can become in college. Overall, though, what this game is about, again, on the Clemson side, it's about Klubnik, not Sweeney. But this game is about truly is Florida State back. You could say, well, aren't they back because they beat LSU? To some degree, yes, but I don't think so because that was not the conference foe. That was not who has dominated the Atlantic Coast Conference for a decade now. Even last year, because I talk about why it's not about Dabo Sweeney. You know why it's not about Dabo Sweeney? Because Clemson's still been the premier program really every single year except for one for the last decade. Clemson still won the ACC last year. They still popped North Carolina and Matt Brown in the ACC title game last year. So, to me, the overarching theme of this game is, is Florida State, is it their time to take back control of the ACC? Who the hell knows if they're going to leave in five or ten years? I don't know. But this is about their moment to now finally beat Sweeney, take this league, and be the real playoff contender they certainly seem to be after thumping LSU in the second half of, of week one. And so that that's the big storyline here. Now, what actually happens Look, it hurts Clemson to have an 11 a.m. home game, right? I mean, we just talked about that with Auburn A&M. I think that's a pretty blanket thing, unless you're maybe Ohio State or Michigan because so many of their big games have been 11 a.m. for years. The Ohio State-Michigan game is always 11 a.m. I'll be interested to see if that changes with new TV deals here in the coming years. But that has always been 11 a.m., so maybe in Big Ten country that is different. But here in the South, whether it's the SEC or the ACC – 2.30 2.30 is a moderate, good, solid crowd. And then 6 o'clock is your raucous stuff. That's when the rooster crows at williams Bryce Stadium and you start panicking because why is there a damn rooster in here? <laughs> and sandstorms playing and it gets really nerve-wracking. And you have all these environments that should just be decent become just come to life. Those night environments, for sure, those 2.30 environments, certainly. These 11 a.m. environments, though, 
they get a little bit more questionable. So is Clemson, who their crowd is already going to be a little yeah. skeptical of them. They're right. already going to be a little standoffish. Like, is this the beginning of the end? Is this Dabo running his course? Is, is all the big national storylines true? That's going to creep in the first sign of doubt. It is so important. And we talk about this in various games. It is so important for Clemson to win the first quarter. It doesn't matter by how much. It doesn't matter how it looks. Clemson needs to lead after one quarter. If they do that, they will win this football game. They will get the the wave of the crowd. Clemson's defense is still pretty damn good. This is going to be a good test for Jordan Travis. And Clemson will feed off that, and they will start to become the Clemson of the last decade. But if they get down early, the wave of doubt, the wave of uncertainty that has surrounded this program is going to consume them. And they're not going to fall out, and they're not going to get out of it. And so I, I know I made this like this big, scary li- – it sounds like a big life thing that I'm transposing onto a college football game. But I think that's the reality of the program is there's a certain amount of negativity that's going to creep in the minute they do something wrong in this game. Why are the turnovers back? Why can't you score in the red zone? That sort of thing. And so it's so much about the optics of how this beginning of this game plays out, in my opinion. Uh, on our weekly picks, I actually picked Clemson. I made the case, or I will make the case that because of that defense, because I just refused to accept that Florida State is all the way awesome based off what we saw against Boston College. What had been different if Boston College just makes point after and then doesn't have to go for two, so they kick another point after they go to overtime? What if Boston College wins? How how much different is one missed point after? Yeah, playing into our minds of what Major. Florida State now is. Now, look, you can. I will give you this if you want to make the argument that that's because they were looking ahead. I will. I will absolutely yeah, accept that. that argument. Absolutely, that absolutely happens, and certainly in college sports. But it is concerning because Boston College probably not even a bowl team this year. So it is concerning to me that that was how they looked last week against an ACC team. And how they looked on the road, because as you guys mentioned, that Florida State LSU game, it was neutral in right. name only. And what yeah. actually came to that crowd, 70-30, 70-25 Florida State. In the same way how it was neutral last year, but it was in New Orleans, it was 70-30 LSU, whatever. And it was that percentage for Florida State fans this year. So that's why the first quarter of this game is so important to me. If that crowd gets reared up, if they get rowdy, if Clemson gets a lead, that's a environment that is a true test of Florida State and one that I think that they would fail. Right. If if Florida State goes right down the field to start the game or they force a turnover in the first quarter on Clemson, that seed of doubt continues to grow in Clemson fans' minds and their Hello, players' minds, then Florida friend. State's going to win the game. Uh, and so that it's all about the first quarter to me and, and just how this game is going to look and feel in that stadium. Again, for our sake of our picks, I did take Clemson, but I've been more bullish on Clemson than everybody else, so I understand. I'm not – got to ride it I, out. I, I, again, I'm going to – man of my word, Yeah, as you said, ride it out. Uh, but, again, I, I will tell you this. The game within the game, whoever is leading after one quarter wins this game. Uh, if it's tied, don't ask me. I don't know. Three, three. Who's got the ball? I just sit there and say, "Well, <laughs> yeah." It's like I've become Jerry Jones. It was not my fault. Uh, so I, you know, at that point, I don't know. But again, I am a big believer in the optics of this game and how this first quarter works and that sort of thing. How this crowd is going to respond, and if they make this the kind of environment 
that is a lovely college environment that's just so damn hard to actually win in. We're going to take our next time out of the show. We're going to move along in the timeline a little bit coming up, but also when we come back, we will reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon. Some people call me the Jason Kipnis of Sports Call. Do they? Would you like to explain that? No? No. Not particularly? Just let you, just let you think about that Let one. it marinate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to remind some folks that Brooks Childress again. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into the Tim bit. Oh no! Are you good with that? You, I mean, not you really. Can. You can. You, you can't. Technically, can't stop me. Yeah, because I'm the one behind the board. Yeah. Uh, so power it, trip. So, <laughs> well, I'm just I'm the one that's controlling the mic. If he wants to sit back here, he can. I. It's, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on Wednesdays I don't sit back here. Uh, TP sits back here. So I mean, again, it's it, anyway. I might be running the ship today. But the hardest working man in radio, Brooks Childress, true, will be running the ship both Monday and Tuesday. What a guy. As I will be in Tampa, Florida, and I will not be in Auburn, Alabama, which makes it very hard for me to do live radio. Uh, so I'll be missing Monday and tried. Tuesday. Huh? You could do it if you tried. If I really tried, I could call in to the orthopedic <laughs> clinic phone line, block everyone else from calling in, and do that, yes. But we're not going to do that. Uh, Brooks is like, you know, sounds good to me. We have ways. Right. Uh, so anyway, I will not be here Monday and Tuesday. Brooks will be handling the show. I uh, certainly appreciate that. And uh, I will look forward to recapping everything. It'll all, it'll really all be recapped by then. But uh, on Wednesday, I will still get a word or two in because this is such a big weekend. Uh, but looking forward to hearing what you guys uh, have to say about a, another a loaded weekend of college football. Certainly looking forward to it. How about this? How about How about we compromise? All right. Yeah, you come in. So you don't leave uh, till later in the weekend. So you come in Sunday early, yeah. and you just record podcast style in the back, like yeah. uh, just as much words as you can about the Auburn Texas A and M game and the rest of the weekend, and we'll just play that on on Monday and Tuesday. Well, see, that would work out really well for you because in case people have not deduced, I talk a lot. And if there's no one to stop me and no time element to stop me, I could go probably over an hour just on one game. I'll find and listen. I'll come in Monday, and I'll I'll go through it, and I'll find some natural pauses and uh-huh. insert commercial breaks into that. Should I just verbalize? Should I say out loud? 
insert pause here <laughs> and then no. keep going and break uh, keep going because no one will listen to that full version other than yourself no let me let me have my fun and try to okay. find some natural pauses okay. oh he sounded like he took a big breath there needs a lot of oxygen we'll challenge yeah. accepted <laughs> so uh anyway that will not be happening either just ah. to clarify for everybody uh, so, wah, wah, so Brooks, I, I have my full confidence that you will deliver a great show and that we'll have some great calls and hopefully be reacting to a win. All right, before we get into some more of the preview, we get into the 2.30 uh, time window of games. Let's reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Auburn quarterback Peyton Thorne is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The Michigan State transfer had his best game as a Tiger against Samford, going 24 for 32 through the air for 282 yards and a touchdown. He also had the best rushing performance of his career, gaining 123 yards on the ground, beating his previous career high of 47 and scoring twice. Thorne's big performance led Auburn to a 45-13 win over Samford in Auburn's last tune-up game before heading to College Station to open SEC play this weekend. Peyton Thorne is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Peyton Thorne, Sports Call Player of the Week. Again, a lot uh, having to do with that rushing total, too, over a buck 20 and being able to score on the ground and once through the air. Got a lot of Peyton Thorne against Sanford. Needed to see a lot of Peyton Thorne against Sanford. And, again, wasn't perfect. couple mistakes in there. But, again, was moving the ball consistently. Only one punt in that game. And did break out a display with the legs. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, it was almost the first player in Auburn history to throw for 300 and run for 100 yards, if I um, am remembered correctly. I think that was a stat that somebody threw. He was close. I think he was just under – I think he. I don't remember how many yards he exactly threw for. He was like close to 300 yards, though. But, yeah, so um, – he, he, but he was all over the place, man, running the ball and – uh, loved to see that, um, and I hope that is a, kind of mixed in a little bit more as as the season progresses on because he was able to use his wheels and he's tough, man. I mean, he's you don't want him to take a lot of hits, but um, you know, as he's running the ball, he is able to um, withstand some of the hits that he's taken. So uh, yeah, he, he's um, he, he's a he's a very talented player. Uh, want to see him throw the ball more. Uh, really, really get comfortable in that pocket as well and uh, really open up the offense and see what this Auburn offense is able to do. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was, you know, we talked about it uh, after that Cal game. We you needed to see some, uh, some Peyton Thorne uh, have a performance like that. And uh, he stepped up. He stepped up to the plate and and showed what he's he's capable of. Why Hugh Freeze and this and Philip Montgomery and the Auburn offensive staff uh, chose to bring him in uh, to to Auburn after his uh, past performances at at Michigan State. We we talked about it. He at Michigan State. He was he had some big performances, but then there were some performances that left your head scratching a little bit. And this was uh, one of the big performances this past week. Hopefully, he can replicate that this weekend and uh, have another big performance against Texas A and M and guide this team uh, to a. Victory. Yeah, I was double-checking that, Cam. I, I think that would have been accurate unless there was someone else I missed because I went through Cam's and Nate Marshall's game logs. Cam only had a couple 300-yard games, and uh, he had an array of 100-yard rushing games where they, were, they did not line yep. up with those couple 300s. And then Nate Marshall, over his two years, only had a few 300-yard games. I remember that 2014 Iron Bowl, he had a 400 did not rush for 100 in those games either. So, uh, uh, again, uh, those are the two guys that came to mind where I was like, yeah, really? Uh, but, yeah, no, the, the, neither of those guys did it. So, Thorne would have been the first. But just a little shy. Nevertheless, a great week. And, again, got to cut out the turnover part of it. 
Hopefully he does that against A&M, but certainly from a yardage perspective and a running threat, if he can get those two things to continue on, Auburn will have some success. Let's continue on previewing the entire weekend of college football, though. We just did the 11 a.m. time slot, which, again, outside of Auburn, really the Clemson-Florida State game is the big one, and, and just a couple other big teams play like Michigan, but they're just not playing. I think they're playing Rutgers. and That's, that's just, a 3-0 Rutgers team. Oh. Brooks yeah, and they're one and zero in the Big Ten. Brooks. Is Ray, is Ray Rice sitting on top of the Big Ten standings? <laughs> Ray Rice running out of that tunnel? I don't think so. Well, <laughs> maybe pregame. Oh gosh. Oh come! Is he running out of that? Uh, is he going to play? Probably Ray not. Rice playing? Okay, Probably not. I'm not worried about it. It's in the Big House. Michigan's favorite twenty four and a half. Stop it, Brooks. All right, it's what? Let's hey, I love up. upsets. If Michigan wants to take a nap and lose to freaking Rutgers. Uh, then great, but I'm just absolutely not banking on that whatsoever. Again, they're they're sitting on top of those Big Ten standings. Yeah, for now, uh, certainly for now. All right, on to the two thirty window. There's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, there is Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Utah. Let me put the rankings beside these, shall we? Number nineteen, Colorado. Number ten, Oregon. That one in Eugene. Number twenty-two, UCLA. Number eleven, Utah. Number fifteen, Ole Miss. Number thirteen, Alabama. There's also a couple other games of unranked teams that's decently entertaining, but we'll kind of stick to those. Guys, I'll let y'all have it. What do you want to go at first? Oh man, UConn, right? <laughs> yeah. I was gonna throw. It out. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was gonna look down the list a little bit more at that uh, Maryland Michigan State. Game. No, you're insane. Anyway, you know what? <laughs> Let's just talk about this Colorado Oregon game, shall we? Um, Go for it. I, I I do have Oregon winning. I I would love to be wrong, but the loss of Travis Hunter, uh, I think, is going to be absolute just a major impact for for Colorado. I mean, that's a that's a high impact player on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they do still have plenty of talented receivers, but the defense was already something that, uh, was struggling a lot, um, for, for Colorado. Uh, so th- they're, they're going to have to put up a lot of points if they really are going to have, st- have, have a chance. Um, but I just, I, I think they can, but I think Oregon's still just going to score more because that defense is just not going to be able to hold up. And Oregon has at least some type of semblance of a defense. And so with that being said, I mean, you know, they don't have much of a pass rush. Oregon has, you know, between Oregon and Notre Dame, they have, it's debatable, the best O-line in the country. Um, and, I, I mean, Bo Nix is just going to have plenty of time back there to just kind of sit back there and just – uh pick the defense apart it it's going to be an exciting game i cannot i'm going to watch that i cannot wait um i, I might not even I, i'll probably watch a little bit of bama and old miss as well but i really want to watch watch that oregon colorado game i i'm i'm very curious to see and then even just the reactions after it uh, uh you know because if i mean if colorado does get blown out then you know you're having some conversations and, and things people talking about them you know dion and, and the buffaloes being uh, overhyped and all that stuff. This the storylines behind it, so it'll be interesting to see um, for for that Oregon Colorado game for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw last week the Colorado. You you saw you know after the first uh, couple of games that TCU game and that Nebraska game, you were watching this this Colorado team and you said, "Wow, this is this is really good." And then last week against a Colorado State team that you know 
really, you know, when you look at Colorado State as a whole, probably didn't have a lot of business being in that football game. If if you, if you, uh, if you think, bless you, um, if so you, sorry. If you uh, if if you're looking at the way Colorado played those first two games, but Colorado State came in and they had a good game plan against that defense. Uh, Travis Hunter going out did not help uh, help that ga- uh, did not help that game plan uh, stopping that game plan for Colorado. Um, I think you saw a couple of, of chinks in the armor there for for Coach Prime in, in Colorado. I think this is going to be a great football game. I think it's going to be very high scoring. Um, uh, I, I think that Shudder Sanders is going to going to have a big game. Uh, I think Oregon wins this game too. I like right now. You know, you have the line at Oregon minus twenty one. I don't know if they win by twenty one points because I think that with or I know Oregon's offense can put up points. I think Colorado's offense will be able to put up points, but I think Oregon's offense. Uh, I think the the Oregon defense is going to get one or two stops that really really matter in this football game, and I, I think Oregon wins it. I, I think it's obviously like I said, I think it's closer than twenty one points spread right now. But I, I think that Oregon Oregon does win this football game. Uh, but I, I think after this weekend, I, I still think that you're going to look at Colorado and say they're they're still a really good football team. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, I I think it's a shame Travis Hunter's not be able to play. Uh, I, I think that he would affect the game a lot. I don't think it would have been enough to win, but it would have made it more entertaining and more interesting. Uh, you just, I just appreciate that that kid can do it because a, I appreciate Dion will let him do it. B, I appreciate that he has the ability to do it and do it well because there's, there's not many. There's yeah, there's just not many uh, in football that do it on both sides of the ball like that. That's why we appreciate in baseball Otani so much because there's not many can do that. And so I hate not being able to watch him in this stretch of big games. Like I said, though, I think that would have been the difference in a close game and a moderately high, a moderate def- difference here, though. I still don't think they would have pulled it out. Uh, I, I think that maybe they would have lost by 7 to 10 with him. And now I think they're going to lose by 2 to 3 scores. Somewhere around that, that line, I, I'm thinking something like 45-27 or something like that. Uh, because I just think Oregon is going to score a lot in this game. Yeah, uh, Colorado's defense, they've got – look, Charles Kelly is a very respected defensive coordinator. I think that they'll work on it. But they just don't have uh, a bunch of guys uh, overly talented right now despite all the portal uh, portal acquisitions they made. Helped them obviously a lot on offense. And uh, former Auburn Tiger Travars Dawson, Dawson has made some plays. He'll be asked to step up uh, without Jake Travis Dawson. Hunter. Um and Shador Sanders was a four-star recruit. So on one level, it's surprising to see someone come from Jackson State and do this. But on the other hand, it's like, well, a four-star recruit has, yeah. has a great chance of Always being really good in talent. college. So, uh, again, he is legitimately really good. So, again, that's going to be worth some points. And Dan Lanning's defense, I think, will get there. But as I talked about in the preseason, I'm not sure in year two it's there yet. Uh, so I think this will just be a pretty dang high-scoring game uh, where Oregon at home with Bo Nix – uh, will will churn out plenty of offense and be tough to stop. Uh, but I do think Colorado puts some points on the board. I do not think this is a, a blowout by any means. Final minute or two of the hour. Won't have time to get to another game, Brooks, uh, that I know you wanted to get to. Do you want – I'll give you 60 seconds. All right. 30 seconds of Bama Ole Miss, okay. and then 30 seconds your final thought on Auburn A&M. Bama Ole Miss, I, I think I said this earlier this week, this feels like one of those games where you, you're doubting Alabama and it doesn't look like they're – and they come out and they win a football game. Um, it, it just feels like this is the hump that Lane Kiffin can't get over. I could be wrong, um, 
I think that you know you, you look at this this Alabama team. Their offense is not what they've been these past few uh, the past few years with uh, Heisman level quarterbacks. But I do think uh, you know Nick Saban coming out early in the week saying Jalen Milrose our starter instilled some more confidence back into him. I think he's going to have a better game this weekend. I think Alabama probably wins it very close. Auburn and Ole Miss. Um, man, it's tough. Uh, you know, Hugh Freeze has been talking about all week about how they've got so much more talent and everything. I think that plays a little bit of a factor. I think that's what's going to be the 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 key there is the is Texas A&M's talent level is just going to be a little bit too much for for Auburn. I think Auburn hangs in the game. I really like that eight number, and I like I said, I said low low twenties, upper teens. I think it's something like twenty four seventeen at the end of the game. Um, I think Auburn scores probably late to give them a chance to try to get a get an onside kick or to get a last minute drive to go down and score again but uh, i i think that this uh this texan team is just a little bit too talented this year for for auburn to beat them well brooks thank you for that i know we couldn't get to the whole slate of games but that's uh, all right i'll uh, listen if you want my unfiltered opinion on for on uh F- fau and illinois come oh. see me at beauregard tonight <laughs> Or you know, in the other games that matter throughout the weekend, you know, or or FAU Illinois, whatever floats your boat. But Brooks will see you out there at uh, Borgard High School tonight, right after the conclusion of uh, this show. Uh, drive safe over there. Appreciate you being on the show today. Absolutely. That'll do it for Brooks Childress, but Bye, that Brooks. will not do it for us. We have one more hour ahead coming up. The Sports Call Five at Five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll continue to go through this great slate of college football games, and we'll give our final picks on Auburn and Texas A&M. All that's coming up next. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, we certainly appreciate you as well. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. One more hour to go before the weekend before we start to figure out a lot about these various conference matchups and about these teams. Auburn taking on Texas A&M in College Station. And again, an 11 a.m. game. We have polar opposites for the two Power 5 opponents thus far this year. 9, nine o'clock at night, 11 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm just excited for some Auburn football. Yeah. We continue on with the show right now with the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. 
Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. When you're looking to sell your land to get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. For the 5 at 5 today, real quickly, we're going to preview each game. We've already previewed uh, one of them. We're just going to give you the top five games of the weekend, not relating to Auburn or the SEC. So, in other words, they're the five top 25 matchups outside of the SEC, which, of course, has one. So, we start off with... Number one. Colorado and Oregon, a game we just talked about on the other side of that timeout. Big opportunity for Deion Sanders, for Shador Sanders, and that Colorado team. Try to make, if they can somehow win, make a huge statement against Oregon, but Bo Nix and Oregon heavily favored. That one is in Eugene at 230. Number two. Not going to really spend time much on this game. Number 22, UCLA. Number 11, Utah. Got to draw some boundaries somewhere. That one, 230 on Fox, but another big one in the Pac-12. UCLA still trying to fully reach its potential with Chip Kelly, while Utah has continued to be a solid program under Kyle Winningham. has been a thorn in a lot of those teams in the Pac-12 side. We'll see how that goes. That one is at Utah. Number three. Again, another Pac-12 matchup. Three Pac-12 top 25 matchups this weekend. Again, fitting to be in their last year. Number 14, Oregon State at number 21, Washington State. Washington State surprise winners earlier this year against Wisconsin. Oregon State had a quality year last year. Now their quarterback, you might recall, is DJ Uyangale from Clemson, and so they continue to stay in the top 25 so far this year. We'll figure that one out against two traditional teams that are not necessarily towards the top of the Pac-12, and therefore they are the two teams that are still without a home, really. They are the Pac-2, technically, Oregon State and Washington State. Number four. Continuing on, the Iowa-Penn State game. That one, 6.30 on CBS. If you turn, tune into that Bama Ole Miss game, you're wondering where Brad Nestle and Gary Danielson are. That is because they are going to be in Happy Valley. They're going to be doing the Penn State-Iowa game as CBS transitions their package into a Big Ten package for next year. We also want to remind you at this juncture that tomorrow at 6.30, you can tune into that game on FM Talk 93.9. We're partnering all season long with Compass Media and with Touchdown Radio, and our first Touchdown Radio broadcast of the year is tomorrow night, and they will be live from Happy Valley for Penn State and Iowa. So you can listen to that one on FM Talk 93.9. And last but certainly not least, number five, a game that has maybe not been talked about the most. I feel like we've certainly focused a lot on Bama Ole Miss in terms of top 25. We've just talked to Oregon and Colorado. That's captivated a lot of people. But maybe really the true biggest game of the day is between number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame. That one taking place in South Bend. What will Kyle McCord look like in his first uh, true test? What will Sam Hartman look like? He's looked good so far this year. What will Notre Dame look like under Marcus Freeman? Can they get some big wins under their belt? Again, they play not only Ohio State, but they've got top 25 in Duke, they've got Clemson, and they've got USC this year. So Notre Dame's got a good collection of games, and that starts with Ohio State. And that is the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five biggest games outside of the Southeastern Conference 
on Saturday. We continue on, though, with this edition of the program. Right before we left, Brooks was able to give a quick thought or two on Ole Miss and Alabama. That is where we are in the slate. We're in the middle of the 2.30 game. So I turn to you, Cam. Ole Miss and Alabama thoughts. What stands out to you about this one? So I actually agree with what Brooks said about, you know, people thinking, you know, and it could be very well be the, the beginning of the end for Alabama, how things go. But they're in Tuscaloosa, and he's right about that Bama has not been a team that Ole Miss has been able to beat since he's left. Um, it's kind of his, his bugaboo. And so I, I still think that they're going to struggle. The, you know, people are kind of expecting them to lose, even though they're the higher-ranked team. And I'm talking about referring to Alabama, uh, even though they're the higher-ranked team. But I, I still think now that now that I think that they've finally made the decision on who their quarterback is, and it's going to be Jalen Milrow, I think it's going to be Jalen Milrow through the rest of the season at this point. They've tried Tyler Buckner. They've tried Tyler Simpson. Both Simpson was okay. Buckner was terrible. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely terrible. <laughs> Wish y'all could see the face Ryan just made. Um, and and you you know that that's not going to work. So Milro gives you the best chance to win if you're Alabama. So uh, he he adds an extra dimension to your offense that neither the other guys are able to do. Uh, kind of opens up the field a little bit more and and makes it easier. Kind of can manipulate the pocket because the O line isn't great. Uh, so he can at least use his legs to get free and 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 create some opportunity there. Um, I, I, I think it'll be a, a high-scoring game, and I think it'll be a good game. Um, I do still see Bama winning. I, uh, the line right now is six and a half. I can, uh, you know, I can Alabama by six and a half. I can agree to that honestly, and I think that uh, Bama wins by a touchdown. Yeah, I just, man, I'm just no fun when it comes to picking when things Ooh. that were great, you know, go downhill. Yeah, right? It's fair. I just have in my head that I look. Let me be clear. I don't think Bama will get to the point this year where they have real teeth and and a real chance to win the title. No. I will say that, uh, and, and and that in itself is is different because that's not been true. No, probably Maybe it's been since twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten is the last time they lost time. more than two games. So twenty ten is probably the last time we're midway through the year. Like okay, yep, not not definitely not winning the title this year. Um. So even that is is a regression of sorts. I just think for out on the Alabama side of things, where I get the Ole Miss side, you've got to accept the fact that if Jalen Milrose your quarterback, you're not going to be able to do the things with him that you did with Bryce Young, Mac Jones, and Tua Tagovailoa. Right. Sure, you can have vertical passing at times. I think they still have some pretty good receivers. There's no one that absolutely stands out as like a first round NFL type guy, like they no. had probably seven or eight of in the last twelve or so years. Right. But there's still competent receivers. There's guys can still catch balls down the field. He threw a hell of a pass. I think it was to Jermaine Burton in the Texas game. So it's still somewhere in there. But you know what it honestly needs to look like with Milrow? Mm. It needs to look, I hate to say this, it needs to look 2013 Auburnish. Yeah. That's really what it should look 100%. like. They're not going to do it, I don't think. That's who Tommy Reese is not. That's not who Nick Saban is. But if you were if you were trying to honestly design something that Milrow could have the best chance to help you, he needs to be running the ball a lot. That includes read option. That includes QB power. That includes all the things that Alabama has traditionally not done much of with the quarterback position. So I'm interested to see if they will adapt that way or if they continue to try to put him in this box that says, oh, no, we're, we're – we're going to get some Bryce Young out of you yet. No. We're going to get some Mac Young's uh, Mac Jones out of you yet. 
I, I just think that if they end up running the ball with him, yes, sure, there will be some still struggles at times. It will not be perfect. Like I said, I do not see any sort of national championship contender in them the way Milrow has played. But I do think it's, I still see a path to win the West if, if they will do that that way. Ole Miss, LSU, Tennessee's all at home. I mean, it's, it's all in their backyard. And so you might say, hey, Bryant Denny's really not – uh, as loud as a couple of the other SEC stadiums, and right. sure, I'd agree with you. Uh, but also, it's still something. It's still 100,000 people, and also, it is not playing at those places, more importantly. It's not going to Knoxville where they were freaking throwing uh, the, or putting the goalpost in the river and on against Ole Miss two years ago, throwing mustard bottles. It's not that psycho place. Uh, it's not Death Valley at LSU. And so those places, not having to play there is inherently worth something plus a little something-something for being on your home field. So they've still got a shot at that if they do it yeah. that way. Now, from Ole Miss's point of view, I was, yeah, this is their time. This needs to be a win for them. If not now, then against Nick Saban win. Never. If you're Lane Kiffin. Right. This is the bat this is the worst Alabama has looked in again. I think they probably even looked better than this in 2010. They have yeah. probably not looked this bad since 07. They might end up with a 10-win team still, but just what it looks like today does not look great. And that South Florida game confirmed that. Texas is one thing, but to beat South Florida, who won like three games last year, 17-3, uh, and your 17th point came with a few seconds left in the game. It was essentially a 10-3 game. That tells me this is the worst Alabama has played clearly because there was there's no team other than Georgia Southern who still lost by 30 in that game in like 2011 or whatever. There's no team on South Florida's level that has ever come that respectably close to Alabama, period. It's not happened since 07 when ULM won, uh, not, not 08 on. So I, this is the weakest they played. If you're Ole Miss, you have to do this now. Jackson Dart has been playing well. Your defense looks competent. I don't. I'm not going to marry myself to it's yeah. truly good, but they look or, or anything like that. But it looks competent. Middle of the pack. Yeah, and that's all, all I've need. ever wanted them to be. Yeah. So if you get Ole Miss defense in the middle of the pack, the last box to check, which they have not checked yet in this type of game, is situational red zone fourth down football. Right. They will go for them fourth down. That's mm -hmm. not breaking news. I'm not. Extra smart for saying that. They're absolutely going to go going fourth to. down. Everybody knows it. They'll go for it on fourth and two at the, at the Bama 30. They'll go for it on fourth and two at their own 30 if the, if, uh, the situation dictates it. They will, they will go for it uh, fourth down uh, anywhere. It's what their success rate is there, and it's also in the red zone what their success rate is, touchdown and field goal to nothing, because with them, it's far worse to not score a touchdown in the red zone. And you know why? Because, again, they go for fourth down a lot. Right. So for every, let's say, three times that they don't score a touchdown in the red zone, at least once, if not twice, it was because they went, went four on fourth yeah. and didn't get it. They didn't even get the kick the field goal. And their kicker looked pretty good. I think he nailed a 50-some yarder against he Tulane. He did. Uh, so they might be have a damn good kicker, but we wouldn't know it because they're going to go for it a <laughs> yeah, lot. Yeah, exactly. So that, that down – is going to dictate what Ole Miss can do in this game if they ever have the truly huge season of making the SEC title game or that sort of thing. 
And I, it's just, it scares me to death with it. As much as I love Lane Kiffin, I appreciate he's different. I, some of the stuff on social media is kind of weird. I don't care. There's room to be different. I don't think it's a bad yeah, different. I think whatever. it's just different for the sake of being different. And I, I'm down with it. But at some point, he's going to have to pull the string, the right strings at the right time. And I, I, I don't think for the problems Alabama does have with quarterback and to some degree with pass blocking and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think their defense is a problem. I'm still waiting to see more on that. Now, I think that Ole Miss can take some deep shots and, and play action, and with yeah. this up-tempo offense, I think they amazing. can make some big yeah. plays down the field. But I don't think Ole Miss, the way they've run the ball this year, is just going to go up to the line of scrimmage and just push Bama off the line three yards every play and get four to five yards no matter what. I don't see that. That's also why Ole Miss has problems against Alabama and teams like them in fourth and short because they can't just run right up the middle because those teams can actually can get off their blocks and fight on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so that's where I see a problem really realistically with Ole Miss is again they've continually not done great in these short yard situations when they've really needed to in fourth down in the red zone and otherwise and I don't think that's a weakness for Alabama you can say a lot of things are weaker sure uh, and I do think their DBs were more liable to get burned. Heck, yeah. even the great Bama defenses of the early 2010s would give up a random deep ball. Uh, and so that is available to Ole Miss. That is potential to get that Ole Miss. But, hey, what's also going to be important, and this is a weird – I'm going deep dive on this. Hey, if you connect that deep ball, did you get tackled at the 12 or did you make it all the way in? Because, again, right. that's the type of thing that's right. going to matter if you're not as great in those short yard situations. Because Ole Miss has been weirdly bad. The, the stat is true – Auburn leads the SEC in rushing. rushing. Yeah. That's like 203 a game. It's not some gaudy, unbelievable number for the for the types of teams Auburn's played. No. You would expect it Ole Miss, though. Tulane, Georgia Tech, and uh, the other weaker team they play, Mercer or somebody. Mm-hmm. You would expect Ole Miss to be over 200 Absolutely. rushing yards a game. They're not. They're not running the ball well. So that's my problem, Cam, when I look at this game, is I still think it's about the situations. And I don't think Ole Miss has done that well this year in that type of situation or at least when what's usually required in that situation and I don't think that's a problem Alabama has to worry about Alabama has to worry about some other things offensively and again the back end of the defense I still think they're going to be completely fine Dallas Turner's still a menace right. like, they still have stuff up front that's absolutely menacing that's my biggest worry with Ole Miss. That's why it's not all oh, Alabama's, you know, gonna show them. Yeah, I don't think it's no, about no. that. I think that that era of Alabama football is over with. I don't think they're in the revenge business anymore. If if you thought they were, look at how they played against A and M on their home field last year. Oh, they're gonna get Jimbo for getting Saban. Eh, yeah, came in no. the last play of the game. Right. So I don't think it's about that. I just think that it's about Ole Miss situationally does not make the play or two they need to make around the line of scrimmage. And my problem with Ole Miss is as good as they've looked in other areas, there's nothing in that running game this year that has shown me they're going to move Alabama around when it counts. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say about the run game is that, man, a key, I think, is you really got to get Quinshawn Judkins going. I mean, he was was picked to be – First team All SEC running back, and and he's extremely talented. He, he broke out as a freshman, but he's got 44 carries for 145 yards, averaging 3.3 yards. Not per good. Game. That's not going to get good. it done. You know, uh, he he does get into the end zone. He's got four touchdowns, which leads the team. But 
Yeah, his longest run is 13 yards. I mean, you just can't have that in your starting running back. It's not possible. Jackson Dart is leading the team in rushing yards right now. He's got 213 rushing yards. And, you, you know, you want to use your quarterback, that's fine to run the ball. Absolutely, Jackson Dart is definitely a running threat. But you don't want him leading your team in rushing yards, especially by as wide of a margin as he is right now. It just is not productive. So if you're if you're, if you're you're Lane Kiffin, your key is you got to get Quishon Judge going he's 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 too talented of a running back to be kind of as stifled as he has been so you got to be able to find ways to get him the ball and and you know get that get that o-line give him some push and and see if he can't you know get four or five yards of carry instead of the the average that he's at which is 3.3 so that's something that i think is absolutely going to be key we have time for one phone call here before we take our next time out on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Next up on the show, Die Hard Die. Die Hard Die is with us. Die Hard Die, how are you this afternoon? War Eagle. Hey, War Eagle. Uh, sorry I haven't been able to call as much. These girls are getting older and have homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dreaded homework. Yeah, I feel it. I mean, I'm doing most of it, and it's terrible. Uh, I'm getting smart again. <laughs> but So, speaking of Alabama, I think the best parlay this weekend is uh, Ole Miss and Florida State. Uh, maybe throw in Auburn over, um, but that's like a 52-48, so maybe take the Auburn over out. I could see them kind of going slow, too. So, But um, definitely, like you said, this is Ole Miss's chance, and um, I hope they're staying up a little later than the Bama coaches who are struggling right now. That's definitely their weakness. Um, just sorry, I'm sure you guys have talked it to death, and I'm sure you'll talk it in the last half hour, but um, – I'm really concerned about this Auburn game. I think we'll, uh, I think we'll catch someone sleeping. I just don't think it's going to be Texas A&M. I think, from what I've watched, um, you know, Texas A&M's not amazing, but I think they can score if they need to. Kind of like Cal. Cal, whenever they needed a first down, they got it. And it was so scary. Thank God that kicker missed everything. But um, you know, I think they, there's no one's really talking about the revenge. You know they have on us what we did to them last year. Um, that was such a, an amazing win, and and um, unfortunately when we're winning, I was like, oh man, what are they going to do us next year? So a um, little nervous. Maybe you can help me with my feelings on that, so I can get a little sleep tonight and because it's an early wake up. <laughs> but um, sure. like I said, I I think we'll catch someone down the road. They're like it's just Auburn. They're you know uh, four and three or whatever. But um. Just a little nervous. All right, Warrigal. Warrigal, appreciate the phone call. That is Die Hard Die joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Cam, why don't you give uh, Die Hard Die because I think you're a little bit more. I am. I'm not like vastly negative, no. but I, you're on the, more on the positive side than I am. So give Die Hard Die some uh, mess and the sleep tonight. Then. Yeah, I mean, I just think I think Auburn's going to be able to stretch the field a little bit with with this offense. I know you know it's been a little rocky, but I think now that Peyton Peyton should hopefully be able to be a little bit comfortable in throwing the ball downfield and stretching the field. We'll be able to use that pass game to open up the run game. They do have a talented uh, D line. Texas A and M does, but if you can stretch the field out a little bit more, that just you know, like we, it backs the defense off some of you a little bit, and you're able to then run the ball, which is Auburn's strongest suit, I think, so far this season. So, um, and in, if on the defensive side of the ball. If they can get in Connor Wigman's face, if they can keep him pressured, keep him uncomfortable, he's going to make a couple mistakes. You'll be able to then uh, really kind of shift it into your favor. I I think it's going to be close game either way. I really do. Uh, but I I just think 
from a coaching aspect of things, I don't have as much faith in Jimmo as I do in Hugh Freeze. In all honesty, um, I you know, however you want to chalk that up, I I'm not. I've never been big on Jimbo Fisher. Never been big on him. Um, I I do think he kind of has touted off of the Jameis Winston success uh, at Florida State, and so. I, I just am not as high on him. I think that you can, if for an 11 o'clock kick as well, I think you can go in there um, and in Kyle Field and walk away with a win if you can just be scrappy, continue to fight, uh, which this team does you know, seem to do you know, in close game situations. I thought the Cal game showed that this team does have plenty of fight in them, even when things are not going right. Um, and so with that, I, I think it, it does have a recipe that you, you can find a recipe for success. Even if things don't go perfect, um, Auburn can find a way to win. We're going to take our first time out here of the 5 o'clock hour. Appreciate the phone call from Die Hard Die. When we come back, we will wrap, start to wrap things up. We'll get to that last slate of games, the night slate, predominantly Ohio State, Notre Dame. I'll say a prayer for UAB real quickly against Georgia. <laughs> uh, and then we'll have closing thoughts on Auburn and Texas A&M, final score prediction and that sort of thing. Stay tuned to that. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here the rest of the way on this Friday afternoon. Want to remind you of high school sports coming up tonight. 6.30 right here on Tiger 95.9 is airtime for the Borgard Hornets versus Charles Henderson Trojans. We're the proud home of Borgard High School Sports right here on Tiger 95.9. That's where Brooks Childress went off to. You can hear Tim Sin and the guys call that one kickoff shortly after seven o'clock over on fm talk 93.9 brant dotry will be on the call for the smith station panthers at the dothan wolves i'm having to make the two-hour trek to dothan for that one appreciate brant for doing that looking forward to hearing his call tonight that one is also a seven o'clock kickoff and then after that the alabama high school athletic association scoreboard show from 10 to midnight on fm talk 93.9 also you got tomorrow on at 6 30 Penn State and Iowa. That will be on FM Talk 93.9, courtesy of Touchdown Radio. Again, right here on 93.9. And don't want to forget, on Sundays, you're home for the Atlanta Falcons right here, Tiger 95.9. So we have football all weekend long here in our Tiger Communications family of stations. Speaking of football all weekend long, we certainly have it all day long in the college football world. In hour number two, we went through the 11 a.m. time slot just a minute ago, or kind of the end of the 4 o'clock hour, beginning of the 5 o'clock hour. We went through the 2.30 time slot. We've now progressed to the 6.30-ish, 7 o'clock time slot. I wanted to mention a couple games that we won't be talking about. Uh, Oregon State, Washington State, 
good for the pack two in air quotes of these two teams both being in the top 25 uh, we'll see if Oregon State wins. I mean, they're 14th in the country. That might get some uh, teeth uh, for the for the Beavers, and uh, really start to get up there towards the top 10. You also got number three Texas at Baylor. I just want to see them bounce back. It was weird after uh, after their win against Alabama right. last week. They were tied with Wyoming going a little fourth quarter. So uh, yeah, a little sleepy after that one. Uh, and then you got that Penn State and Iowa game, which we might hit on in a second. But the big one in the nightcap. Number six, Ohio State at number nine, Notre Dame. Ohio State is favored by three on the road. This one's 630 NBC. I'm just really interested in this because, well, A, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I don't feel like I have to explain why this is interesting. I think it should be interesting to any college football fan. Yeah. Uh, it's two huge programs, two big brands, uh, night game, top ten game. Winner will have an excellent opportunity towards the end of the year to be a playoff team, etc. But Ohio State came out of the gate a little weird. Uh, they, they were unimpressive against Indiana. Yeah, they won by 20, but they only scored 23. You expect Ohio State to score a lot of points there. Youngstown State, they were fine, but 35-7 against FCS program. Again, just underwhelming. Supposed to drop 50. Yeah. Well, and then they decided they would drop 50 and 60 against Western Kentucky. So they flexed last weekend after a couple weeks, a little slower out of the gate. They did have a quarterback competition that ultimately – Kyle McCord won, and as he should have. What do you think about this Ohio State Notre Dame game? So maybe, maybe that's why they were just struggling to put up points in those first two games, just because they were going through the quarterback battle. And you know, I mean, we've talked about it with Auburn that you know you got to have some continuity and some rhythm. So maybe the quarterbacks were just struggling to get some rhythm in those games, and maybe that just threw off the entirety of the offense. Yada yada, whatever, whatever. Well, Kyle McCord has the job now, so that's all all said and done. 63-10 win against Western Kentucky, and that was I think that was his first start, you know, throughout the entire game. So, you know, maybe the offense isn't struggling near as much as we would think. Um, I, I'm very curious to to watch this game. I, I think it's going to be a good one. I'm not going to be able to watch the entirety of the game. I have date night Saturday night, but uh, I'm going to at least but fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to Texas Day Brazil. By the Ex- way, thank you yeah. for doing that. Of course, on my, even though on, I can't on Ryan's recommendation. Glory, yeah. On Ryan's recommendation, I'm taking my girlfriend to Texas Day oh, Brazil. We're going don't eat lunch night. then. You oh, come no, hungry. We'll, okay? not be, we'll not be eating lunch. Love that. That's Absolutely. the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Actually, that's good. Excellent. Um, so, but I will. I will watch the beginning of it at the very least and uh, see what it is. I just think that the I think the difference in the game is going to be the quarterbacks. I I firmly believe that, and I think that Sam Hartman has a lot of experience. Uh, spent a lot of time at at Wake Forest, and now he's a grad transfer uh, playing for Notre Dame. And I just think he's the better, more experienced quarterback, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. Um, you know. Uh, Ohio State might have overall more talented skill players, and you know we have Marvin Harrison Jr., who's like might be the best wide receiver prospect since who knows. Uh, but overall, I, I still think that Sam Hartman's going to make the better decisions, going to be able to move the ball a little bit better. Uh, has a great offensive line that will be able to uh, protect him and help him, you know, make some easy decisions. Uh, or give them time to make some easy decisions, and uh, I truly think that's going to be the difference in the game. This game is is the Ryan Dark Horse Heisman board of the preseason. Oh yeah, because my two warmest takes of of the preseason, or at least certainly of the Heisman, or th- these these two featured players here, I said Marvin Harrison would go to the ceremony. 
Right. Not win it, but would be in the top five of Heisman voting. And I said Sam Hartman would win the Heisman this year. So I'm really excited to see this matchup. These let me be clear, these defenses are very capable yeah. of, of reigning in offenses. So these are good tests. But I'm also just so excited to see if Hartman and McCord can have their way and make this into a track meet. Again, it shouldn't be just because these defenses are good enough to get get one here and there. But this could be a really fun game. I said in the preseason to Notre Dame between the Ohio State, Clemson, and USC game would beat one of those three teams. And that's when Hartman would have the Heisman moment. It might take more than that for Hartman to win the Heisman just because this class is so damn good. So good. I mean, there's like 10 quarterbacks. There's Seriously. four just in the Pac-12 yeah, that are going to lay up. a claim to it. Uh, and then there's Jordan Travis in the ACC. Uh, there is Hartman with Notre Dame. We'll see what McCord ultimately does. If he has a 350-yard game yeah, and four I touchdowns, he's the Ohio State quarterback. Yeah, You're going to slide him up. Yeah, they're, they're uh, I mean, there's that narrative. Sure. I mean, there's all kinds of guys. So this is going to be a strong class. So he might have to do more than 10-2 and two in a win over USC. But I'm interested to see him go up against Ohio State here. And, again, I think this game has maybe gone a little underappreciated just because I don't think that Notre Dame – I think for one of the first times ever, Notre Dame was potentially underappreciated in the preseason. I know I'm saying that. I know Dad's frowning right now because Dad cannot stand Notre Dame, and he says they're always – <laughs> overappreciated. Um, and I mean, I, I honestly, I honestly agree right. with that. And most people feel that way. Yeah. I understand, but I just, I don't know what it is. I, I just feel like if I dislike someone, yet I see something really good, and I, I'm picking it. them to be good, then yeah. that means it's got to be pretty close to right. true because I'm not going to do that out of the goodness right. of my heart. Right. And so I'm, I'm very intrigued and and tempted to take Notre Dame. I will stand by the preseason pick that Ohio State will win. I might have even said Notre Dame in our office picks that you can go check out, by the way, on the website, uh, on uh, Sports Call's website. Great plug. But I think I've took Notre Dame in that because I was obsessed with home teams. I was just going through the list. Home team. Home team. Home, home team, team, home team, home team. <laughs> college, home yeah, team. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because uh, home teams got some upsets last weekend, so I'm just home team. Uh, but in the preseason, I still thought that this would not be the big win for Notre Dame. That this would be a big triumph for Ohio State. Look, this is a big playoff implication game. This, oh, yeah. If Ohio State wins, this sets up the possibility to get two teams out of the Big Ten again, especially with the SEC having some – down some problems in the non-conference and that sort of thing. There are not many scenarios for the SEC to end up two with two teams. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, they're already only down to a couple. But this is the scenario for the Big Ten. And on the flip side of that, if you're Notre Dame, if you beat Ohio State here, look, you've still got some other stuff on your schedule. If Clemson ends up being Florida State, that'll be a massive game. I know it's random, but Duke's going to be a top 25 team when you play them. They'll be undefeated next week. Uh, and then you'll have USC, a big one at the end. But Notre Dame gets in that conversation. They even get to the conversation to the point where, depending on how everyone else goes, at 11-1, and one, what do you do with Notre Dame? That that would be something for way down the line. Yeah. We don't have to get into that now and the credentials of that. But I'm just simply saying that they would have a resume as such where if they get the biggest prize this early with Ohio State, uh, they'll have an interesting season for sure. So this game means a lot. Again, I will just lean – uh, TP swayed me a little bit yesterday, actually, because he follows Ohio State a lot. He was talking about how he's not sure that Notre Dame has the guys on the edge yeah. uh, to keep up with Harrison, keep up with these wide receivers at Ohio State. And likewise, he's not sure that while Hartman's really, really good, he's going to 
get it get the ball there he said can the receivers actually make yeah. the big plays on Ohio right. State DB so I thought that was a fair point that's why I still lean Ohio State but I am not I again I have slurped way more Notre Dame Kool-Aid <laughs> this year than I have at any point right, in my life right. and I don't know how I feel about it but it would not shock me at all uh, if Notre Dame ends up winning this game. We're going to take one final timeout of the show today. When we come back, we will wrap things up with our final analysis of Auburn, Texas A&M, and our final predictions. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here. Final few minutes of the show for the day and for the week. Getting set for Auburn and Texas A&M. Less than 24 hours. Uh, it's not far away. One more sleep. Excited about it for sure. So, Cam, we've talked a lot about it in the earlier part of the show. Of course, if you missed that, check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. But, again, summarize your thoughts on this game and go ahead and give me a prediction. Got to get pressure on Connor Wigman if you're the defense. That's the, that's that's a big key. Get in his face, um, make him uncomfortable, get him moving around uh, because they have really really talented wide receivers, and it's going to be hard for the DBs to to they're they're going to do their best because Auburn's DB room is very very talented. But again, this is one of the hardest positions on the field is is a corner because you're cha- you're trying to predict and chase where the wide receiver is going to go and guess and do things. So, it's going to be tough. Somebody's going to be open if Connor Wigman has time in the back in the in the pocket to uh to just dissect the defense. Um on the offensive side of the ball, uh stretch the field, use that stretch use stretching the field and throwing the ball to get your run game going. Um, get Jarquez Hunter, get Damari Austin the ball, get get Jeremiah Cobb the ball, um, and, and see what they can do, see if they can't get some push on the O-line. I know that Auburn's got some injuries with uh, with Xavion Miller and, and Cam Stutz, but if you can still get a little bit of push using some of these guys, um, you know, maybe get the run game going, uh, you can you can be successful. Uh, and use use Peyton Thorne in the run game as well. That's, that's something I think is extremely going to be uh, extremely Extremely crucial as well because that'll give the running backs the opportunity because it will cause the uh, the D linemen and the guys that are closing in on the run to hesitate and guess where the ball is going because if if Peyton can pull that ball and go for five six maybe ten yards on a couple runs where you, on an option then you're gonna have to respect his run game run opportunity uh, his run ability uh, and and then that will open up holes in the middle of the field for the uh, for the running backs to to hit their gaps and maybe go off for some big runs maybe break one loose different things like that so uh, I think those are the keys to the game. I think Auburn 
will be able to do it. Uh, honestly, uh, I, like I said, you know, previously, I don't have a lot of faith in Jimbo Fisher as a coach overall. I, I just don't think he's that great. Uh, but I, and this defense for, for Texas A&M isn't overall great outside of the D line. So I, I think that if you can, you know, get the ball to your skill guys, get your guy, get the ball to Jay Fair. I think Rivaldo Fairweather will be a, another key component in this game as well. Um, I, I don't see it as a high scoring game. I think it's going to be a moderately scoring game. I could see Auburn winning uh, 20, 27 to 24. Okay. I think that's where I'm going to go. 27 that's like to right at the over under yeah. line of 51 yeah. or 51. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I I'm just so worried about up front now uh, with the for with sure the injuries seeming like they are lingering more. Uh, even with Jalen McLeod, who just does not seem like he's 100 percent nor has been yet this year. I mean, that's somebody Auburn really needs to have an impact when they're on defense tomorrow because A and M again, as we've talked a lot about this week, A and M is not very good at pass blocking. Forty some odd pressures they've allowed on Connor Wegman on his drop back so far, just over a hundred pass attempts. So Auburn's path to success defensively is getting pressure. They need someone like Jalen McLeod out there. Offensively for Auburn, Tom was talking about this earlier in the week. I agree with it. Is let's see what this the identity of the offense truly is. Right. I, I know that there is ultimately going to be balance, but this is the first game that you have called that you are truly worried about losing. You're truly uh, respectful of your opponent. And look, I get it. I know Cal ended up playing a close game. Made Auburn pay if they thought it was going to be easy and, and that sort of thing. I get it. But just on paper, this first time, you have really had to cook some things up and, and really be committed to a solid game plan. What does that look like? Does that look conservative? Does it look like a, a lot of different types of runs out of the gate? Does it look aggressive? Does it look like they're going to try to take the top off the defense, knowing that Miami was able to do that a lot? I'm very interested to see that side of things. Ultimately, I do think Texas A&M wins the day. I think they win about 24 to 20, maybe 27 to 20. So, again, just under that 51 number. Yeah. Uh, maybe I think Auburn, I guess, will cover by a point at least of the spread. That is eight or eight and a half. I just I don't think Auburn's ready for this yet uh, just because of the lines of scrimmage. I think that they did – good work in the portal and if this line was 100% healthy I'd be even more tempted to yeah. pick Auburn but I just see I just see on the road a couple too many negative plays that get you behind the chains that get you uncomfortable in your first really tough game on the road and again I know Cal had a certain toughness to it but there's still uh, there's still, still a, a clear step yeah. up there with, yeah. with the crowd with 100,000 people with A&M with talent all that sort of thing so uh, Auburn might not win this battle I still think they'll win the war in the end uh, with a lot of these teams in the SEC. But again, this is where you start. Uh, and I think a will squeak one out at home. Time real quickly for a Sports Call Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. And it's presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, 6 o'clock on ESPNU, Georgia High School Football. Check that one out, 6 o'clock on FS1, Wisconsin at Purdue. And a Big Ten mid-off, 6.05, Valley Sports Southeast, Atlanta Braves, Washington Nationals. Braves victorious last night to get to win number 98. They're going for 100 this weekend. Yeah. NC State and Virginia, that one's 6.30 on ESPN. Virginia is bad. I would think the Wolfpack would win that one. And then some women's college volleyball, number three, Florida, 
comes to Neville Arena, number 24 Auburn, playing host to number three Florida. We'll see if the Tigers can get a big one there in Neville Arena, and that is on SEC Network Plus, and that is the Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that's it for the show for the day and for the week. Cam, thank you for being here, sir. I hope you have a great weekend up in Birmingham, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, see you next week. Drive safe, Ryan. Uh, Enjoy the Tampa Philly game. Thank you, sir. I will probably not, but uh, (laughs) we'll certainly try. I'm just kidding. I'll enjoy it win or lose, always do. But uh, appreciate that. You travel safe as well. That'll do it for the show, for the day, and for the week. As always, we want to thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress, who joined us earlier, and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. High School Football coming up next. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.